0: It seems like you stressed quite a bit about this process. Making a list is hard. You Did gotta, you check like, it twice? Uh,
1: I checked it thrice. In fact, <laughs> you gotta like quantify. Yeah, to this very day, in fact, <laughs> yeah, you gotta quantify your taste in a way that's like stressful. a well, weird pressure? Yeah, yeah. You it's because there's there's the kind of two hard to quantify traits of favorite and best, yes. right? And those are not always the same thing. Correct. Right. But sometimes they're related subjective
2: versus objective yeah. when do you ignore but
1: what even is objective is it yeah like it, that's the the part that's difficult and like what does his, historical representation matter, or not representation, but rather historical like relevance yeah. versus right. influence? This and is the I'm assuming act, none the of flash. us have
0: D.W. Griffith's Birth of a Nation in our lists. No, right, and
2: no. Uh, uh, no. Even, <laughs> not anymore. Oh, <laughs>
0: yeah, hey, Arthur, your sheet is showing. Oh, boy. Uh, uh, but no. <laughs> I'll cover that up. <laughs> but no, I mean, yeah, that's uh, that's one of those things. It's like that's super influential, but we're sure. we're all like no dog water for that thing, right? Yeah, and yeah, so like
1: China. Of town's a really good neo noir, but fuck Roman Polanski. I'm not putting in, I've, right. got, I've got other neo noirs on my list and I like I them better. I do have
0: a problematic director in my list. Oh, there's problematic people I'm in my sure top 100. I'm sure there are a number of problematic well, people I on list. i a famously problematic. I should say, yeah, it is Woody Allen. There's Spoiler is a, alert. There's a Woody Allen film in my list. Uh, one,
1: just one. I've got a Tarantino in my top 100. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I've got a Tarantino. I mean, I've got Alfred
2: 100. Hitchcock in here a few times. Oh, and he sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, I mean, but that's part of making one of these lists, is, like, you gotta think about... I I got shit that got disqualified before I was like, no, there's no way. This, yeah. Right. For well, whatever reason... And I, mean, I gotta
0: you know. say, my experience in graduate school in film studies has really colored the process for me a little bit, because there's a weird way in which people in in that circle, and I think the internet Twitter, you know, film Twitter circle kind of... If you like this movie, then you are a whatever, Right. Uh, it, it, negative label.
2: There's a weird, sep- there's mm-hmm. a lack of a separation between spectatorship and enjoyment and. Ideological yeah. belief
0: and and so sometimes I'm thinking about man if I put this movie in here you know what was somebody going to think right yeah and uh, do I think and what kind of and there's this sort of performative aspect to I it for one and I want to be this kind of person
2: going to applaud you for putting your top ten is completely Dinesh Souza films
0: <laughs> that's that's all hey, my, that's all Kirk Cameron that's Kurt Cameron Dinesh Sousa is all I ever watch that's all I ever watch <laughs> I I had something that
1: was for me I kind of not clarifying but felt good which is uh I, I participated in um the blank check discord they just recently did a sort of their sight and sound list thing oh uh, yeah yeah. Uh, i was one of 173 ballots and quite a few movies from my top 20 are in there, like top 10 so i was like oh, okay yeah, there's other people that feel the same way about me my top are look spoiler alert if you want to go find that letterbox list right now their number one's my number one, and that felt pretty cool because, mm. uh, I mean, that's what I submitted there's on my ballot. There's a little ballot. scavenger hunt there for you. Dear yeah, listener. there's a little, yeah, a little bonus. You and
2: probably 150 other people, apparently.
1: Yeah, <laughs> apparently, or at least a lot. It got the most votes, I think, is how, how did they, they did their I list. I don't, I mean,
2: we're getting a whole voting it, thing here, yeah. we don't have to do but that. But hey, no. first of all, hello, everybody,
0: and welcome again to the Good Trash Honorcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think we bantered longer than we ever have in our history so far.
2: No. Maybe not. No, definitely not. Okay, uh, not. It, felt not. Like,
0: it felt like longish on our
2: banter, but well, it was good banter. It was banter without context, because we're talking about the process behind what we're doing, but we didn't about what we're doing.
0: Yes, indeed. Uh, usually, this is the show in which we uh, we analyze films that you'll never find in a film studies course. This week, and in the next three weeks, we are going to four work. Weeks, four weeks? It's a five-week marathon. Yeah, it's a five-week marathon. Oh, so right. this plus four. Because 100. Correct. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> we have made, together, our, our all three of us have made, individual top 100
2: favorite best Let's our say, top 100 movies of all time. Top
0: yeah. 100 movies. We're just going to say they're the top ones. For us, our top ones. So there can be personalization. <laughs> we can have affection for them and maybe dispute their quality. <laughs> or we might simply say, undisputedly, the quality is there and therefore yeah. it's here. So that... Whatever that Venn diagram results in, it result well. I'll tell you what it results in. It results in these three lists. I'm still Dustin.
2: I'm still Arthur. I am still Dalton. I almost said I'm still Dalton, <laughs> which would have been weird. I would have just
1: said I'm still Arthur and committed to it. It's
2: fine. <laughs> and we'd have. Been I would have it. had to have talked a lot more than I normally do though, and I'm not ready for that.
0: So this is going to be a little bit of a change of pace for us. It's a summer project that we put together, sort of reducing our cinema watching load a little bit, which is which is good. Uh, it's also sort of a 10th anniversary
1: retrospective. You know, we've all come a long way as film watchers in the last decade, I think.
0: Oh, I can't I even begin to think what my 10 years ago I'm, list would have been. Dude, right? I would be disgusted to see what my list of 22.
1: <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, my God. I well, know. It sucks. Well, and also 26,
2: 56. What was ten years ago for you? <laughs> he have been th- well. He's
1: ten years older than me, so he he would have been thirty two. Yeah, okay. I was
2: Yeah, You're, I see. He, I see
1: what he's doing. Yeah, he's just making fun of how he rolled. <laughs> yeah, I, I,
2: I, I got it. Can't always catch him. <laughs> Everyone got it. Look, well, he looks better than either of us, so we got to crap <laughs> on it for being old.
1: That's true. I think we do need to point out though, like as as far as just the passage of time goes. I'm sure if we were to do this again and. A year are one hundred. Oh yeah.
0: Different. If I did
2: it in ten weeks, yeah, forget ten years. If yeah. Ten weeks from now, my is list pretty, will change. This uh, a pretty viable, flexible list.
0: There is a movie on the list that I watched this week. Same, very uh, the first time. Same. That's same.
1: interesting. Well, and I, I will say there are movies in the top one hundred that came out last year. There was almost two movies in the top one hundred that came out. I wow. at the last minute shaved one off, but I've got a fair. I've got a lot of recency stuff going on in my list, and I, I did try to account for recency bias, mm-hmm. but you know, I've done top 10 or plus lists for the last 10 years of, you know, movie releases. So that really, one, informed how I made my list. Like I used those lists to help build it, which meant a lot of newer movies ended up in the top 100 just because I've spent more time kind of cataloging and rating more recent films. And I also think the last 10 years of movies have been really good. You know, call me a basic film guy, but like I think A24, Neon, Annapurna have all put out in the last 10 years, like the counter programming to the blockbuster yeah. heft, which I think has been really important.
0: Well, and I think that also uh, speaks to one of the important sort of factors in why you would select a film or why a film would still be a movie you'd like a lot, but it might be in the hundred plus range. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and so it's how often you think about it and how deeply you think about it, how deeply that you was thought about big it, part of it and yep. how often that film sort of returns to your thoughts. Yeah. Right. And so that, that matters too, because there's movies I've seen that are absolutely, you know, bananas great, but I don't think about them that often mm-hmm. for whatever sure. reason. Sure. And so that that's a factor too.
1: I had two movies in the top 10 that this week I was like, all right, I got to watch the first, you know, 15 minutes of this one or I got to watch the opening of this movie. And like right away I was like, okay, yeah, this is still in the, like the it opening of one of my top fives. I was just like, this has to be in here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think. That, I wish I could have rewatched more movies for the top 100. And there's definitely blind spots. I mean, I've only seen so many movies. Like, yeah. uh, according to Letterboxd, I've seen about 1,600, which mm. means there's still uh, short some. You know, probably a hundred, two hundred, yeah. give or take, maybe more. But you know, there's so many movies, and I, I have huge blind spots internationally, and yep. you know, all kinds of stuff yeah. like that. So I'm sure, I'm sure we'll. Be kicking ourselves for some exclusions, or and Dustin's list is going to make you and I both go. I haven't been meaning to get around to that one a well, bunch, I'm
0: sure.
2: Well, I think, or that, I've never heard of that. Yeah, maybe
0: th- that really though to me seems to be the purpose of lists. Yeah, it, is that they they provide for the reader a watch list. Yes. Uh, It it is one of those moments your syllabus just got longer. Yeah. Where you go, okay, well, there are obviously people whose opinions I listen to who I respect for whatever reason and they have suggested that these top 250 of the BFI slash Sight and Sound the top 100 of the American Film Institute or, you know, Slacker, whatever. I can't think, not Slacker, Slate. Slate. uh, We'll put together a list of this kind of top 100 of of a particular genre movie or... 21st century or... Or, yeah. yeah, or a particular director's films or whatever, and you look at that and go, okay, well, I, I like this thing or I, I like this writer. Mm-hmm. Let's think about their opinion and let's watch those movies. And it puts together a watch list. And of course, you look at those watch lists of movies and I look at the BFI Top 250 and there's some movies in there that I'm like, yeah, I definitely need to see that. And there's other movies in there that go, yeah, that would be good to see. Excuse me. i <clears throat> good yeah. to have seen, but I'm not in a rush Yeah, to catch it either. Correct. And that's fine. So it, it it sort of just helps you well, it helps you program your life yeah. as, as cinematically. Sure. I, I think that's, for me, a
1: big part of it. It's it, What is the programming I want associated yeah. with my life? Mm-hmm. If, I, yeah. if I could only watch 100 movies, what are the 100 movies that I could like tolerate yeah. watching? Uh, only those. I think that's fair. That's uh, definitely, you know, I think we, it sounds like we all sort of had similar yeah. calculations going on.
2: Yeah. I mean, definitely, you know, look at this list and be like, if somebody was like, what are, what are 100 movies that I should see or would be good to see? I'm like, Check these out.
0: Right. Well, that's a question I get asked all the time, right? So, what are your top five? I'm well, like, yeah. shut up. I don't I mean, know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, I
2: hate that question.
1: It's I've hard. I picked a favorite, but only so I have an answer. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah.
2: Yeah. And just kind of ingrained that in my head as yeah. being a thing. Yeah. Well, and I, I,
0: I, have all, I picked a number one film, obviously, making this list. And mm-hmm. I'm like, right now, I would say this is my favorite movie. And it's a weird shift in me because it's always been, I guess, if it, I, I don't keep a running list in my head, but it's probably been in my top 15 for years now yeah and but i'm like you know really this is this is this is my favorite best movie right now mine's probably
1: been in my top 25 for i mean most of my life at this point but yeah it's just over with over, over the last few years i've been like oh yeah this is this is kind of the one for me yeah this, this sort of unlocks a big part of yeah what what i look for in in, in movie going
0: yep and of course there are movies that end up getting left out and here's the thing about lists and shifting them i you know poll percentages always have a plus or minus. Mm-hmm. I could probably say all my movies have a plus or minus of five points. They, totally, could, they totally. could totally jump five, yeah. down five. Yeah. They could jump off the list. And in fact, I could probably substitute in 15, 20 movies for any one of these movies and yeah. just say, you know what, instead of having this one on the list, I could have this movie on the list yeah. instead and have it in out of the top 200 entirely, yeah. even if it ranks in at number 25 or number 30. I've yeah. got
1: movies in my top... You know, I, I you have to build sort of a larger list, even build a top yeah. one hundred, which was sort of tricky for me. I guess can we talk methodology now? Yeah, I let's, use, the, let's get there. Let's I do use it. the website Flick Charts yep. in conjunction with Letterboxd. Uh, yep. Flick Charts will kind of help you algorithmically build a top one hundred, and I just used that. Uh, but you know, I did manually kind of tweak some things here and there as needed um but for me like there's stuff in the top 200 that yeah i could easily have been no that could have made the top 100 like a different week as dustin just said like yeah i could i could swap it in
2: yeah similar i used flip chart as well uh i i kind of went through uh for a while especially more recently kind of year by year and then decade by decade to Mm -hmm. just build a list to pull from and i think kind of you know what that was around fifteen or sixteen hundred films oh, wow. to draw from. Mine's
1: only about seven hundred, but there's a lot of things that yeah. I was like, I know this isn't gonna make the top one hundred, so I'm not gonna bother yep. working with
2: it. And so I then, you know, just kinda of took that list and I pulled about hundred and sixty movies from it that I'm like, these could I could look at me that i think that could be in the top 100 gotcha yeah, and I'm then looking, from there i just continued to refine
0: i'm looking at my flick chart and i've got 2070 movies on Jesus. mine and which Hello. Is, and there's a lot of movies but I, I but here's the problem with flick chart now so now, now that we're talking about methodology mm-hmm. the way flick chart works dear listener if you've never used it before is it head-to-heads two different movies yeah so would you rather watch ghostbusters or gremlins sure and whatever you pick, that's going to rank higher than the other one. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you have a number one and a number two. If those are the first two movies it picks, that's the way it goes. Yeah. And so uh, the more you do it, the more you spend time ranking, the better it kind of works, right? But at the same time, if you just happen to like one a little less than the other one, that's a loss, I think the way the algorithm works, to that film. And it calculates win-losses also. Mm-hmm. And so it may lose a couple times, a movie that you like a lot, because you just happen to have had movies you happen to have liked more, yeah, and you never see that one come back up yeah. again. Yeah, I had to go in
1: manually and rewrite yep. some stuff where I was like, "This is maybe a three and a half yeah. star movie for me, but like, I I really like it enough that I think it should be higher." Yeah, that was or the, that was sorry. huge. No, 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 you're good. Go ahead. I was
2: just said the other thing with Flickchart was there were movies that I knew I would rank pretty high that just weren't popping up in the algorithm. Really. Right. Yeah, so sure. I had to go in and manually rank it against my list or it was whatever. a good
0: way to get a baseline yeah for yeah, sure yeah, but yeah. It, it, there, there there's a sort of lack of exactitude there yeah as well and and of course the fun of flick charts is the way in which it ranks movies that are close i mean i think that's the conversation and i was looking over a, a little bit at the social media aspect or the the web 2.0 aspect of the side itself mm. and the discussion boards those are all really sort of about the head-to-heads yeah so you put a movie right next to each other that's really really kind of close say et and poltergeist yeah mm. and so we we and when, were sending
1: know, each other some fun head-to-heads. We were getting yeah,
0: and so that's that. That's I think the conversation started, which is the better movie for you. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and I and maybe the, those two movies are not that close. I don't think they're that close. But um, no, and for me, not at all. But I, I guess I get what you're saying,
1: though. It's useful to put two movies together because it can kind of help you go. Well, that might be the better movie, but I'm I want to watch this right. And sometimes that's how the list did. That kind of inform your list. There a was bit? some
0: of that sometimes, and yeah. sometimes I was just like, I cannot. I cannot pick I mean yes I'd rather watch this than that but I have to put this movie higher. Yeah. Cuz I just I have to put this movie higher. Totally fair. Totally so fair. I mean sometimes there's that because mm-hmm. there's uh the other side of especially for me uh is the academic discourse. How much the movie matters, right? Interesting. And the discourse of film studies. And I I I think about that a little bit. It's like, you know, yes I really, really love this movie, and it may matter at mm-hmm. some point. But at this point, it does not. Yeah. Or it, it may get reevaluated, rediscovered, or it hasn't had enough time to get enough traction. Mm-hmm. A number of those factors can come into come into play there. But that that's tough. I've got some
1: picks that I'll call chaotic. Oh, yeah? and I guess for me my sort of more chaotic picks are picks where I'm like I am asserting that this deserves I'm sort of standing by the premise of our show and saying yeah this movie without spoiling this, this screwball comedy uh, deserves to be treated as seriously as the screwball movies from the 40s right uh, just because yeah. it's not old doesn't mean it's not worth talking about as a benchmark for the form of film comedy yeah,
2: yeah. I think that's important yeah you know
1: well enough fucking around. Let's let's uh let's stop mints and words and like like well, talk about our top
0: 100, shall we? Let's do it then. All right. So
2: let's a little uh, business keeping up the Good top. morning for the listener. We are uh, yeah, uh, I would say we we kind of discussed this a bit, but I I assume there will be some crossover at some point. Sure. And we've kind of tried to we haven't seen each other's lists unless Dustin's been glancing at mine.
0: I've not. I'm I'm keeping my eyes averted.
2: Um I usually keep my eyes averted from you anyway. So the idea is Although when you're one braiding us, your
0: chest hair again. I don't know why. Oh,
2: names a movie that mm-hmm. is in somebody else's list. I say, let the person finish talking and say, that's also on my list. We'll get to it later. And then you can say a few words about it now. Yeah. If you'd like to. That sounds good. That way we're not spinning a lot of time talking about the same movies at multiple points but
1: that sounds good okay okay yeah you know interject a few things for your your overlap and then maybe if you feel moved on the next episode when it comes up say some more is that kind of where you're at okay i like
0: that uh all right did you guys do any i this is i didn't mean i meant to ask this off air so this is a a troublesome question and Maybe we well, should inside baseball. This. We may should edit this out. Who knows? Uh, did you guys do any mathematics on uh, national cinemas versus uh, male to female directors? Yeah, versus...
1: it weighed so heavily on me, dude. I don't want to talk about yeah, okay. it. I, it it factored into my consideration. It, okay, it yeah. did
2: not bother me at all.
0: Did not bother. <laughs> me. <laughs> I mean, I thought about it, but I'm like, you know, this is. I, I'm I'm fine with it being an artifact of the nature of cinema right now. Yeah. The the. The 150 years of cinema. Part of that worked for
1: me, and that's, you know, I have mostly seen American films from the last 60 years, and that definitely colors what my list looks like. Uh, Yeah. But I I tried to... There there are films from other... There's definitely a lot of international fare on my list, uh, but there should probably be more... And yeah, a lot of the people that made my movies look alike, uh, mm-hmm. to put it not too fine point on it. But I, I definitely tried to to make sure my list was inclusive of like the width and breadth of cinema as I have experienced well, it.
0: And that there's not a lot of gender or racial or, you know, that kind of parody in cinema. I mean, no, I think well, that, that's uh, what I say, especially
1: it, American movies from the last that, 60 years are. Made by white dudes.
0: Well, and the channels of distribution by which we can receive those films. I mean, yeah. we don't have a lot of access. I, I haven't seen many Senegalese films. Yeah, sure. And that's just there's not many of mine can get a hold of. I feel like
2: Netflix does a decent job. There's a lot of Indian Atlantics, cinema, and you know, a lot that's of sort Bollywood a big one stuff, for and, that's yeah, African cinema. Kind of contemporary. Triple R is on there. Yeah, you know, which is a pretty big Netflix movie is, this year has been
1: huge for international cinema. And
2: I think Chinese yeah. as well. You, you,
0: you say that, but you can't find Sholei. On Netflix, or which is sort of like the the great No, you're talking like just canon stuff, sure, yeah, canon stuff, yeah, which I is like a, like India's the, gone well, with the I think wind, a trilogy with, you can't find,
2: right? Yeah. Which like, I mentioned it right now because it's not on my list. Well, I would say but, that with even American cinema though, right? There's not it's canon true. stuff on Netflix, sure, true. Well, and that's kind I mean, of HBO Max maybe has a little more, but it's yeah, overlaps HBO that Max criteria is kind of the
0: the streaming source right now I for think a so. film buff. I think, I
1: think that that's totally fair. Yep. What we're talking about right now is sort of the problem with canonizing movies, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're we're getting back into the weeds of like how do you make a list again? But just to, I, I think canonization is is tricky, and I, I guess that probably informed all of our lists, at least my, Don, mine and Dustin's in some way.
0: It did, I, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, a little bit. I thought about it, so yeah. Because okay. my, my my thought is somebody's going to hear this podcast, and their syllabus is going to get longer. What would I want a person who said I want to get into movies? What should they be watching? Yeah. So these are my favorite movies that I think people ought to be watching. Mm-hmm. This is, so in, in, in a sense, my thought for the questions was, if I was going to put together a list of the best 100 movies to just check out.
2: This is our 1001 movies you must see before you die. Yeah, yeah I think go. so. Got that idea, right? In this like case, that.
0: 300, but yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, probably not because there's a lot of overlap.
1: Probably 250 or so.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I bet we're going to have I'm less overlap. I'm curious what our cross,
2: I think so.
0: Yeah. Well, let's get started. Who's going first? Um, I guess I will go first, and we'll just go uh, counterclockwise. Okay. Okay. Does that sound like a plan? Yeah. So, um, So number 100. Number 100, Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, 1981, Steven Spielberg. Didn't Uh, make my list. uh, I love Raiders of the Lost Ark, and uh, it's not going to be the last time we're going to see a fedora in this list, (laughs) in in many ways. Interesting. Uh, But, yeah, I love Raiders of the Lost Ark. It is a massively influential film, Uh, Steven Spielberg's style style. I keep having this weird throat choke as I'm talking here. Mm -hmm. Um, but Steven Spielberg's style uh, is the sort of culmination of the classical Hollywood style. It is a throwback to those 30 serials, or 20 serials more like, really, in many ways. And uh, it, it really is, it's a movie that just sticks with me. I mean, the idea of that burnt Branded doorknob image in that yeah. scary Nazi's hand is something I've lived with my whole life, <laughs> and it is one of the first movies I've ever seen. Uh, it came out; uh, I was a year old, but it was on regular rotation in my house. Uh, my dad watched this movie a lot, and so uh, it's a movie that I've never not known. Just yeah. I've never not known Raiders of the Lost Ark, and so that's my number one hundred.
2: We're going to talk about Raiders again this month. But, uh, yeah, I, I I think it is, it is on my list and it is one that I think the older I've gotten, the more I've appreciated it. Uh, I grew up really with as, as a temple of doom kid, because that's the one we had on VHS. Mm. But as I've gotten older, uh, I I really do appreciate how tight, Mm. how lean that movie is, how smart it is, how economic it is. Uh, it's a script, uh, that we studied in, uh, a screenwriting class I took, uh, as, as a, as an ideal movie script. Mm. Um, but just an iconic performance, iconic music, just great direction. Yeah, it's it's a fantastic movie. It's a good pick.
1: Top 150 for me, that and Last Crusade. Both, w- we're, we're vying for a spot. It didn't work out.
2: Yeah. All right, fair enough. Well, Arthur, what's number 100 number for you? Number 100 for me, uh, we're going to get animated. It'll be one of the few times we get animated uh, on my list, I think. Uh, okay. And we're going to talk about Toy Story. Uh, nice. Toy Story for me, uh, Really, I mean, hit a really influential time. I think that's what, 96, 95, 94, I 95, think. right? right. Yeah. Something like 9, 10. Perfect, perfect age for that movie yeah. to come out. Uh, highly innovative for the time, um, both as a CG movie, but also as a benchmark for Pixar. It, it develops the kind of Pixar structure that is the base storyline for all of their films almost, uh, especially for the first probably decade and a half that they're putting out films. Um, I still think it's probably one of their best works and and part of that may be nostalgia, but just, I think the aiming for the fences that they had to take place for that movie to come around the work that went into it, uh, especially in competition with Disney. Uh, yeah, specifically at, at in '95. I mean, '95 was in its Disney's in their golden. It's era. hard to
1: think about a time when Pixar wasn't part of Disney.
2: Yeah, it's hard to
1: remember that that's part of their story. It's yeah, competing against Disney. Yep. Yeah.
2: And uh, obviously, you know, distribution starts to happen, and then Disney fully buys out Pixar. But Toy Story for me is is just filled with uh, iconic moments, great characters, a lot of fun, a lot of memories, uh, great Randy Newman music. Um, and, and just some fun uh, vocal performances from a, uh, just a slate of of actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it, it, it's just narrowly making this list. Uh, and the hundred spots was the one where I was like, oh, what should edge in there? What should edge in there? And, and for me, it's Toy Story. I think I think it's just a uh, fantastic uh, film that is held up over time.
0: I, I too think it's a great movie, and I wonder what's going to happen with the rest of the list coming up as I think about this movie, because it's a 90s movie, and if you look at my flick chart, I think I've got actually stats on this somewhere, uh, the movies that I've seen, it's overwhelmingly heavily leans towards the 90s. I think mine does as well. For yeah. for me, and I, generationally speaking, but I yeah. as I was catching movies and getting into movies in the 90s, I was at the, this time 15 years old, 14, 15 years old, and so I'm too cool for school and kids' movies. I've mm. seen the movie but I didn't have that immediate sort of grade school kind of connection yeah. that a lot of people had yeah. to Toy Story. And so although I love it and I appreciate it and it would definitely be a 150-250 movie for yeah. me that's I mean I think it's is sometimes it matters a lot when you saw it. Oh yeah. Big time. Definitely yeah. big time.
1: Uh I also had trouble with my 100. It was like push and pull between like three or four movies uh that that end of the list was really kind of tricky uh for me number 100 is richard linklater's a scanner darkly maybe Mm. one of my favorite linklater movies maybe one of my favorite philip k dick movies also an animated one for me uh not a ton of animation on my list uh but a one that i like a lot and really good example of rotoscoping which is a technique that you don't see a lot because it is so stupid Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's a dumb way to make a movie you have to film live action and then hand draw over it and it makes movies that look like nothing else yeah and link later's got two i have not seen uh not slacker but uh the ten no, and a half one that just came out no he's got a oh that's right he did another one that's right i forgot about ten apollo ten and a half or whatever yeah it's called ten and ten. And a half. yeah i just i didn't know there was another one yeah no he did another one uh, waking life i think is what it's called back in the 90s gotcha um yeah. but a Scanner darkly again is such a great science fiction story such a great uh, undercover cop movie such a great movie about drugs both like as a kind of vibey drug movie, but also as a, like drugs can fuck up people's lives movie. Like it, it, it gets it all. We've talked about it on the show before. Um, so if you want to really listen to all three of us get into it, uh, we've done this episode over this film, uh, when we were covering Keanu Reeves, but again, under, speaking of Keanu, one of my favorite Keanu movies, uh, there's some interesting symmetry to this list and I'll leave it at that. Um, <laughs> for now, uh but yeah i, I just think this movie is great it's got an absolutely fantastic cast uh i was talking to this movie uh, talking about this movie with a friend before recording and they're like oh yeah you like the part where they make the gun loud on accident and i was like actually yes great moment uh one of the f- finer moments of this movie uh, is robert danny jr trying to make a homemade silencer it's full mm. of great stuff like that but mm-hmm. also it's got sort of the, the great paranoid thriller vibe going for it and, and yet has this sort of kind of melancholy sense of life gone by uh it's it's working on a lot of levels
0: i appreciate this film a lot scanner yeah. darkly I, I love the style of the movie i yeah. mean that's just yeah i, I think it's
1: novelty one out uh, reading a uh, scanner darkly in high school one out um this film i didn't get to until a few years after it was out in theaters uh but uh it definitely got you know late in high school was when i was introduced to this one and sort of that really getting into film being impressionable and that, that novelty of it the novelty of its look definitely has caused it to stand out and also just to represent the foregone long foregone uh warner brothers independent uh, mm-hmm. distribution oh art. yeah 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 right which was kind of a really cool thing that happened yep. for a blink of an eye in the in the mid-aughts there's every studio seemed to have an independent uh every major studio had a a24-esque wing. Sony yeah. Pictures it, Classics.
2: Fox yeah. yeah. Searchlight. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: And that's that's sort of starting to go away. The Tony Gold one from
2: MGM thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. All right. Dustin, number 99. Samuels. Sorry, yeah, you're right. Uh, so, yeah. So, to summarize, top 100, number 100 for me was Raiders of the Lost Ark, for Arthur was Toy Story, for Dalton was A Scanner Darkly, if you're keeping score at home, friends and neighbors. Number 99 for me is uh, the first non-narrative film uh, of many, uh, that will make the list. He's better than us. It, it, yeah. I'm not. That's it's, what he's saying. But yeah. it's 99, so it's it's way back here. It is two hours and, what, 58 minutes? I had it up here. Hold on a second. Uh, two hours and, I don't know, I lost it now. Two hours and 58 minutes. It is Lost, Lost, Lost by D- Jonas Mekas. And okay. uh, Jonas Mekas is the godfather of the new American cinema. This is not New Hollywood Uh, This is New American Cinema, which is this avant-garde movement in American filmmaking. He became the uh, sort of founder of the Anthology Film Archives, Mm -hmm. which preserves a lot of these movies. uh, Yeah, I know his
1: name because he's a
0: preservationist, is sort of how I'm aware of him. Right, and and so that's sort of how he's been able to pay his bills, but he's always been a maker of these diaristic kind of films. And Lost, Lost, Lost is this huge, sprawling film diary of just his experience as an immigrant coming into the United States, discovering cinema, and finding, again, this sort of artistic representation of just the the beauty of everyday life. And that really is kind of the glory of the movie, is this is just regular, just day-on kind of stuff going on. Uh, I'm trying to find uh, Mikas's... I was going to find the, uh, but it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm trying to remember if he's from Slovenia or Lithuania. I think Lithuania. and Somewhere uh, in central. He attends Europe. a Lithuanian wedding. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he does, there's just a number of things that are going on that are just sort of like regular everyday things, cultural slice of life, immigrant story kind of things uh, that are taking place in the film. And also him just thinking about what is beauty, what is art, what is this thing called cinema, using those uh, now super, super flexible, super, super portable Bolex uh, 16 millimeter cameras, uh, which is sort of what made this kind of filmmaking possible. And so because of mika's importance to the canon in general, I think, and his importance to preservation of again a a slate of movies that we would not have access to if it was not for the anthology film archives and just the general beauty of lost 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 it makes number 99 for me so moving on arthur what is your number 99
2: Uh, my number 99 i expect to see uh on at least one of the lists, if not both of your lists uh i could be wrong on reading that room Uh, and it probably would be a lot higher had i seen it earlier um, but it's a fairly recent watch. but uh, And had I uh, had more time, I think, to really dwell on it. Um, and Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. It's good. You, we'll talk about it again. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think that... It uh, didn't make mine, but okay. I love it. I was wondering if it would make... I, I figured it would make Dalton's. Yeah. Because um, I know he he likes it, uh, regards it pretty highly. Um, I watched this actually for the first time just a couple... And actually just a few months after George Floyd... Uh, the scenario it took place. And yeah, so, so it's
1: always hard to find the words of how, what to uh, call that. Yeah. yeah he was, was murdered. murdered. Yeah. yeah murdered. When he was, when he was murdered. And half the country said, go fuck yourself.
2: Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, it was the first time and, and to see the events in that film and how eerily, you know, I mean, mm. in life imitating that art some 33 years later, uh, it was just very powerful and frustrating and hard to watch uh, but mixed with all that was a lot of humor and heart and sheer, I think, genius on, on the part of Spike Lee to, to assemble this thing as just a young kid from Brooklyn, I guess, yeah, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just putting this thing together and just a, a powerhouse statement uh, in 1989 uh, that still uh, is is as important and viable today as it was when it came
1: out. And what a soundtrack. Uh, I watched, Man. that was the film I was talking about, that I watched the opening credits of this movie, okay. literally today. Gotcha. And I went, yeah, this is exactly Easy. where it needs to be on the list. Yeah. Yeah. I watched it and was like, yeah, done. We're
2: good. Yeah. So, uh, I, I think definitely, and then it's, you know, it's kind of know, street drama comedy. Yeah. I it's guess. hard to categorize it. You know, it's, it's not necessarily my go-to and that may also be why it's kind of lower and I didn't spend a lot of time, I I could see it moving up pretty easily, but I think have I watched it some more and really, really thought about it, it would move up the list. But as it stands, I I think it's a must-see movie. Yeah. Uh, I think it's pivotal. That's a lot of the reason why it's here is it is still, I think, as heartbreaking and important today as it was when it came out. And that is both tragic and uh, a testament to its It's a storytelling.
1: Yeah. is a movie that I saw on HBO free free HBO preview weekend. Uh, oh, yeah, one of those. it yeah. happened to be on mm. late at night one weekend. And I watched it, or ha- happened to be on late at night during this weekend. And I watched it. I was probably 16, 17, somewhere in that neck of the woods, uh, late high school, early college. Um, and just it's like this movie absolutely whips. Uh, and I think about it all the time. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I, I think that was a big part of it, When how old I was when I saw it yeah. definitely influ- has has had an impact on where it reigned on
0: my list. Yeah. I yeah, can't wait to talk about it later. It was on a rotation on HBO. Um, I didn't happen to record it when it came on, and I watched it the one time, and I haven't seen it since, but I, I've always loved it. You know, yeah. I've, I've always thought it. I think I've only seen
1: really. it twice. There's, there's going to be a lot of movies on this list that I've only seen once. Yeah, uh, same. Uh, sometimes you only need the once. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, well, there you go. What's your number 99, Dalton? My number 99 is Michael Mann's Thief. Thief. Uh, Oh, wow, nice. Yeah, yeah. I like this movie a lot. A movie I've only seen the one time, but as soon as I saw it, kind of like unlocked Drive for me, a movie that I like a lot, didn't make the top 100, Uh, but it very easily could have, and I think uh, Thief's sort of overt influence on Drive is what kind of allowed it to catapult itself into the weird loner who lives a life of crime but has a heart of gold uh entry on my list. Uh there's there's you know there's some other kind of similarly crimey movies on this list but for me like this li- that sort of heisty movie goes to thief. I, there might be some others on this list that look like that but definitely nothing that's again drive is sort of like the most direct cinematic sibling to thief in a lot of ways um but uh, thief went out with its tangerine dream score and again that early michael mann vibe he just it's so early in his career and it's so he's still so established like what he wants to do is tell stories about people who live outside of the norm uh, the norm of society and yet like have such a specific professional way of conducting themselves uh it's also got a it's a movie where a guy's got a mood board and that's just part of his deal Yeah, <laughs> uh that's cool. yeah it's it's an interesting movie full of like really cool shots and uh it, james conn giving a career best performance. I, I think this movie kicks ass.
0: It's unfortunate that Michael Mann did not make my list at all because I do so this love... This is the one man on my list. Yeah, okay, I, I like I, him a lot. I like Mann. I, I love Manhunter. I love what he does with Heat. <sighs> so, uh, yeah, this is... Yeah, he's a great director and uh, that's an incredible film. If I have only
1: seen Heat the one time and it's been probably the better part of 10 plus years since I've seen it. And if I had seen heat more recently, there was a good chance. Like if I watched uh, a thing about uh, the making of the shootout scene, HBO max, who we've talked about already once on the show or on this, the special, um, they have a one perfect shot thing where they interview mm. directors mm-hmm. about one of their one perfect yeah. shot. And of course, Michael Mann talked about the, the big LA bank heist in the middle of heat. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that just watching the making of that scene made me really consider heat for quite a long time. Uh, and again, if I had watched it more recently, it could have made the top 100. No. But Thief, I've seen more recently. And again, I think it's just such a kind of small, simple encapsulation of what he would go on to do with something even grander uh, mm-hmm. like Heat. Uh, So that's number 99 for me Dustin Super good uh, Do you want to keep Recapping every time
0: To summarize again My 99 was Lost 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 By Jonas Mikas Arthur's 99 was uh, Do the Right Thing Directed by Spike Lee And finally Dalton's number 99 Was Thief Directed by Michael Mann Number 98 Number 98 for me Is a Robin Hardy film From 1973 We all know the famous Work of Robin Hardy No we don't But we know the movie The Wicker Man Oh shit Okay Okay. yeah yeah. 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 Nice (laughs) I, I love The Wicker Man I love the idea a I love the strangeness of the film. It's got this weird dreamlike nature to it. Mm-hmm. It is obviously a major uh, seed of inspiration for Midsommar, which is actually probably a better movie, but isn't on the list for me. Um, but it is probably a better movie. Uh, that being said, I think in the, in the way in which there is no Midsommar without 100%. man and yeah. so sure, sure. that's that's why it's on yep. the list, and the other one isn't. But and, and there, I mentioned this when we were talking online. There's movies that I could have put in and didn't put in. That in some ways I use some movies to talk about other movies. Yep. Yeah, this is totally this, this is that folk horror entry that I'm going to give. Folk, at we'll night. talk
1: about folk horror
0: again. Uh, okay, but the, there you go. Robin Hardy's 1973, The Wicker Man. Recently, uh, we did this as uh last October or we, we didn't know we, we didn't actually get to it. We, we were going we to program oh, our cults right. marathon. Yeah. We, we did not get took to. Took a hiatus. It briefly. Yeah. and that we'll, I remember that now. Which Life is why
1: we'll now be circling back to the wicker man and Nicholas Cage's 2006 remake of will <laughs> we'll we yeah. doing a bonus episode to a double episode. We haven't done one of those since uh uh what was it um bees the departed and infernal affairs. Infernal affairs. affairs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. We'll we'll do the original and remake mega episode for Wicker Man. Don't you worry, Dustin Arthur. <laughs>
2: number 98 uh yeah i i I mean man this top five or these first five are really gonna set the tone for who i am i think as a film launcher (laughs) uh, because we jumped all the way from toy story uh and and into number 98 which is darren aronofsky's mother yeah Um, yeah, baby uh, which is highly adjacent to that uh this odd studio release (laughs) so strange (laughs) uh from was that who was that one was that Fox or Paramount? Paramount. that's it's right. Paramount, yeah, yeah, it was Paramount. Uh, putting a out movie they put out this... that they knew would lose money. They yeah.
1: even said like a press release that we're invested in his artistic yeah. vision or whatever. Yeah, yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, which we had to see something like that this year with the Northman. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, your mother is just a fantastic allegorical metaphor uh, featuring uh, two people, uh, a, a creator uh, and his his love, his muse, and the conflicting abusive relationship that takes place the cycle of of violence and love and pain that that goes on and you can read it in a number of ways it's it's a great movie because you can apply a number of critical and analytical lenses Is it about it. darren aronofsky's is it, relationships yeah. is it about the environment is it about filmmaking why is it not about all storytelling? why yeah. not all of them yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and so that's incredible i think element of it is very layered in that way uh also if if you get stressed about people sitting on sinks and shelves then it is going to just <laughs> that really sink drive you yeah uh it's you know it's just so fascinating to pick apart and think about uh, just cemented with that performance from jennifer lawrence and uh javier bardem career
1: bests uh, for both of them. yeah i
2: think both very solid there and so that's that's coming in at number 98 that is mother i had to
0: review my list real quick because i knew mother was in my top 100 for a long time and i yeah. thought it had fallen out and i had to check and it, it has okay. but i like that movie a yeah. lot a movie i didn't even get to but prob- probably
1: probably would have cracked the top 200 easily yeah top 150 yeah. pretty likely yeah yeah, I love that movie.
0: It, t- it took it a while to sort out, but it was there for a while. What nice. about you, Dalton? What's number
2: 98 for you?
1: Number 98 is a movie that would have been much higher on this list 10 years ago, and it is David Fincher's Fight Club. Yep. Uh, a film about... It <laughs> still man, made the cut. Yeah, <laughs> it, still it still made, made the, the cut, cut <laughs> baby. You know, and you know why it makes <laughs> the cut? Coming the wire. And it makes the cut, not for Brad Pitt's cuts, although, boy howdy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Does he look mm-hmm. good in this movie? Uh, it made the cut because it is about so many things. It is... Such a funny movie, and I think its coolness kind of overrides its funniness for some people, and that 's to the film 's detriment unfortunately uh, it 's it's unclear its lack of clarity in messaging has allowed it to sort of take on a life of its own that 's very unfortunate mm-hmm. uh, but I, I do think this movie 's very good a movie about a man who can 't accept that he thinks other men are cute mm-hmm. uh, and, and what does that happen? What happens when he can 't stop imagining his perfect boyfriend? <laughs> Violence. And what happens when a cute blondie comes between him and his perfect boyfriend. <laughs> violence. Right. <Yeah. laughs> it's, it's a movie about men. It's a movie about violence. Uh, it's a movie about extractive capitalism. It is David Fincher's Fight Club. Uh, yeah. I, I, much has been said about this movie, and we did a whole episode about it, so we can move on.
0: All right. So number 98, to summarize again, Robin Hardy's Wicker Man, uh, Darren Aronofsky's mother, and finally, David Fincher's Fight Club, in violation of the Fincher rule. You had to destroy. the something. Fight Club rule. I you think had to destroy the,
1: something beautiful. I, did, I think it's the only Fincher on
0: my list, though. Okay, I'm
1: pretty sure. I, I yeah. Yeah, I'm like 90% sure. I don't think nothing. Fincher made No, my list. I lied. There uh, is one
0: more. There's one more. There is one more. He I, made my I list. I like the Finch, so it's okay, but he didn't make my list either. Okay, That's so total, we're moving...
1: That, hey, Dustin, good. <laughs> it's it's better for our show that
0: Fincher didn't make all of our lists. <laughs> so, number 97. Number 97 is my first animated feature. It is WALL-E, um, directed by... Uh, I got his name right here. Andrew Stanton. I thought it was a bird-directed film, but it's not. No, Stanton. Um, it's, so... Hey,
1: you know what? It could be be a laster and thank god it's not
0: yeah um and so there you go um, wally's great it is 2001 a space odyssey meets i don't even know what the matrix a little it's it, it's a strange straight it, it's a kids movie that is about global warming and about uh laziness of society and love mm-hmm. uh, between artificially created organisms or, Machines, it's it's incredible. Yeah. So um, I love Wally a lot, and it made number ninety seven on my list. I, will, will we be seeing Wally again, friends?
2: No, I, I don't think you'll see Wally again. There's but no Pixar on the list, unfortunately. I, I'm not mad about that. You know that that first hour of that movie is just on another level. It's, incredible. it's just incredible silent film and and slapstick comedy and physical comedy all from this stupid little computer animated robot. Probably the biggest blind spot of 2008 for me. It's uh, just nice. a film
1: I I didn't get the year it Go. came out, and I just have never got around to it. And someday I will, because I want to see this magical first hour. Uh, yep. Pixar is often capable of delivering really spectacular first halves of movies. Uh, and I, yeah, <laughs> WALL-E's <laughs> one that, Not to say that they're all... That's a all, backhanded compliment. <laughs> okay, maybe it is a little backhanded. I like them. I like them a lot. I do. <laughs> Inside Out was like in contention for the yeah, top Inside 100 Out's for great. sure. Yeah, it's a good movie. Um, yeah, that's a good pick.
2: All right, number 97 for you, Arthur. What do you say? Uh, we're going to jump back to 1941 for this, and we're going to be talking about George Wagner's uh, Lon Chaney-helmed uh, The Wolfman. Hell yeah, Universal dude. horror cycle. Yeah. Um, I'm doing a guitar solo I for mean, you. No, yeah, man. I uh, love that. Uh, the Wolfman is, of the, that Universal run, is the one that's closest to my heart, and I think part of that is just, it might have been the first I saw, or it is maybe Lon Chaney's uh, just fantastic performance as the downtrodden and cursed, uh, wolf man who, you know, doesn't know what to do. And life has handed him this very, very sour lemon, uh, when he gets bit. Uh, but it is just a, a fantastic story a fantastic. I think look at the duality of man and that idea of the inner monster and what that means and what brings that out. And so much of it does ride on, on, cheney's performance and he just nails it at every turn um and you know this this could kind of just stand in i think that whole universal cycle is just very important and this could kind of represent kind of like you did with wicker man that that era but for me when i think universal horror and and its impact the wolfman is the one that always you know comes to mind for me Mm -hmm. so that that's what's coming in here at number 97 Very good,
0: very good. I I love The Wolfman. I love the entire Universal Cycle. I'm kind of sad that none of the Universal Cycle made the top 100 for me, but uh, on a different day, it would have. Yeah, sure. uh, Bride and Dracula, either one could have made my list. For me, number 97
1: is uh, the first of... Not not the last film with it from the last five years to make my list. Uh, it is Riley Stearns' The Art of Self-Defense, a cousin to Fight Club. What if Fight Club were funny the way Napoleon Dynamite's funny? Okay. These <laughs> a questions many have asked. <laughs> and I say, well, it's going to be a lot shorter, and it's going to get its message across a lot more cleanly and a lot uh a lot more uh economically yeah. a lot more efficiently uh i love the art of self-defense the year this movie came out i was hyped to see it i i saw it it delivered i think i watched it three times a year it came out at least twice Whoa, well, well, that's impressive I, for you i know a, i like this a movie rare rewatcher. watcher I, it truly just like hit me as when i watched it i was like this is the movie i should have seen at 15 not fight club this is the one i, I needed to see uh and i i think it's it's a spiritual cousin that that uh that movie is needed for years and it only took 20 some odd years for it to come out, but uh, it did. And I just, I think it rules. I think Jesse Eisenberg is giving an excellent performance. Uh, Imogene Poots and him are like really dialed into this movie's sensibilities and uh, Alessandro Navallo as uh, the maniacal, uh karate sensei is mm-hmm. just i mean he's money in this movie it's a good time I, it's a great it's a great yeah. time and it's so it's just so specific yep uh i'm a big fan of riley stearns in general uh, i think this is his best film by a pretty gargantuan margin uh not that i don't i dislike his other two movies but this one's just it's really doing something special That's what i've
0: never caught up to but now i'm more impressed to do so yeah i think you'll like it a lot i think it will appeal to you quite a bit uh
1: so no so that to recap Dustin, where are we at? 97 for you? 97 for me again
0: was Wally, uh by uh Andrew Stanton. Uh it was The Wolfman, directed by Help Me Out, Arthur.
2: Um uh, George Wagner.
0: George Wagner, and finally uh The Art of Self-Defense, directed by Riley Stearns. Riley Stearns, number 97 across the board. All right, well then uh number 96. <clears throat> Is where we arrive now. And uh, this is uh, Sofia Coppola's Lost in Translation for me. Nice. Uh, love that movie. It's, just, it's an incredibly well-made movie. A female-centric story. An interesting uh, love story between herself and Bill Murray. I love Giovanni Ribisi in this movie uh, mm. as playing not Spike Jones. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I, there's, there's a lot of like culture shock. There's a lot of just trying to figure out your place. Uh, a lot of ennui in the film. And again, Intergenerational I, friendship, inter- which is just a fun Theme. Right, which yeah. is not really romantic, but it is kind of. But it isn't. Yeah. It's it, 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 it's interesting, uh, and I think uh, Coppola is an incredible has an incredible eye uh, for cinema, mm. and uh, so for her and in general and her films, uh, I, I recommend Lost in Translation, and that's why it makes number ninety six on
2: my list. What's number ninety six for you, Arthur? Uh, number ninety six for me is from one David Cronenberg, and it is uh, Jeff Goldblum's The Fly. Number uh, one hundred and one for me. Nice, I like, barely make the cut. Yeah, barely did make close. it. Yeah. yeah, love it. Uh, just a oh man. What a movie! Uh, just a tight ninety of of gore and heart and tragedy and fantastic performances. Kind of um, a sibling to the Wolf Man for you. I love these yeah. two being back to back. They really are. Yeah. yeah, they yeah. are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, man, uh, just imagery that sticks with you. The 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 effects there for the Brundle Fly. And all that oozy gooey goodness that comes with it. <laughs> oozy uh, gooey goodness, yes. Gina Davis is just magical, uh, and Jeff Goldblum is just charismatic as can be. And Until so, he's
1: like evil in a charismatic way. Yeah, yeah, and he's so mm-hmm.
2: yeah, so he's so good. Yeah, and At then it. he's p-
0: pathetic and you yes. know
2: and pitiful. Yeah, and it all works, and it doesn't know where it stays. It's welcome. Uh, it delivers exactly uh, what you want it to deliver and just works so well sometimes and so,
1: you got to shoot your boyfriend in the head with a shotgun
2: i mean, you gotta do what you gotta do we do not condone <laughs> uh anyway <Ladies? laughs>
1: who are we to judge
2: dalton what's your number 96
1: my number 96 is a movie that arthur and i saw together for the first time both of us mm. and it is uh akiva schaefer and George Combs, pop star never stop never stopping one of the best studio comedies of the last 10 years, uh, not the last studio comedy that'll make my list. I just, I think it is such a effective send up of celebrity culture. Yep. Of pop music, of, uh, and it's such a celebration of making shit from from three guys who like came up together, uh, working uh, on comedy together, and you know, managed to get the golden tickets at SNL and parlayed that into a movie that made no money at the box office, unfortunately, but I think has developed a little bit of a cult following oh, yeah. and will probably yep. continue to develop its following. I think so. Uh, I, yeah, what if uh, one of the uh, Beastie Boys broke off and did a beeper?
2: yeah it's many great, have asked <laughs> this movie answers that. a great bit it's so funny it uh it was on my short i had to double check it was on my short list though i know it was in that top 150 160 oh yeah dude because uh, it is it is such a good time
1: yeah that was uh the one uh press screening i got to bring uh the missus to yeah when we were going to a lot of press screenings yeah. so it was really fun to, to get to bring her. Uh, yeah. the movie that is very. Uh, uh, rates very highly as far as like movies of our marriage. Yeah, uh, a movie that I've seen three or four times probably. Yeah, I, yeah, I like Pop Star. A lot. I
2: think about it a lot. It's so funny. It is. It's so good. I will say though that, that The Lonely Island might make an appearance later. Interesting. In- in a way.
0: Interesting.
2: Good to know. Good
0: to know. Well, there you go, dear listener. That's number ninety six for us. Uh, number ninety six for me was Lost in Translation. For Arthur, it. I've already forgotten. The Fly. The Fly. Uh, Jeff Goldblum, uh, directed by David Cronenberg. We'll be seeing our uh, cousin from the north uh, a couple more times later checks on. Out. Uh, yeah. And then yeah. finally, pop star directed by... Give me again, Jorma Tacombe and Akiva Schaefer. Which is a film I have not yet caught up with. So I will get to it. Number 95. For me, it is uh, Stanley Kubrick's Eyes Why Shut. Mm. Um, okay. It's mm-hmm. just... I, it's just it's an incredible film. Um, I I don't like the orgy scene. I don't care for that. I think it, I I find the director's cut or whatever to be unnecessary. I prefer the theatrical the version. More chaste theatrical because version. I, I don't think it needs it. Yeah. I, I think it's honestly the better choice uh, mm. with the film. But that being said, it is uh, in many ways it's a spiritual inheritor to toward, toward Vertigo with sort of funneled weirdly through Steven Spielberg's Amblin universe. Uh, with all that Christmas stuff going on in the mm. background, it is it is uh, this is weird, bizarre kind of mix of obsession and uh, a man thinking about doing the wrong thing, considering it highly, and then opting not to, which is something we don't see a lot, honestly. Yes. And so I I find it to be really kind of interesting in that way. And so, uh, yeah, I just love Eyes Wide Shut. I think Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman both give really, really great performances. Uh, It's not my favorite Tom Cruise performance and not the last time we'll see Tom Cruise in my list. Um, I I think I have his best performance in here, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, But that being said, uh, yeah, I like Eyes Wide Shut quite a bit. That is number, again, 94. Five for me i'm having trouble reading across my That's list right. number 95 for you arthur uh
2: number 95 for me uh it's a classic 90s comedy and it is harold ramis's groundhog day Okay. Yes. uh with bill murray and oh my gosh how did i forget her name Andy already McDowell. yeah there it is um i got you back this is a movie this is a movie i've only seen the one time but it's just stuck i saw it probably a decade ago a little over a decade ago yeah um and really just stuck with me and, and so much of it is that premise that i love so much you know what if you woke up tomorrow and it was just the same day and you got stuck in that time loop um in the last decade we have seen that kind of i think people who grew up on groundhog day started making movies uh and they so have we had a lot of time to think about that premise <laughs> yeah we got lived I repeat and we got uh, happy death day and others russian doll russian uh, dolls uh, Palm yeah. springs yep uh yeah so uh it's it's uh, just such a good premise that you can really use uh, to get a lot of mileage out of your character. Uh, and so the the kind of ringer that Bill Murray's character goes through in that movie and the high highs and the low lows and what that pushes him to in this almost, uh, you know, purgatory esque living space where he can't move beyond until he learns how to be a decent person. There's a little bit of Charles Dickens in that, I think. Um, and there's a little bit of just pure comic gold, uh, just so much heart, uh, and so much fun and a a testament, I think, to how good Harold Ramis was as a director when he was on, Mm. uh, and as good as Bill Murray can get probably. So there we go it is Groundhog Day
0: that's a good 95 for me I like it what do you have Dalton Quentin Tarantino's Jackie Brown Jackie Mm. Brown's good I I, it's
1: underrated it's easily his best movie sometimes
0: it is his best movie Yeah. sometimes
1: you wake up and you think man Jackie Brown really is the best Quentin Tarantino movie yeah it's it's a movie about older people which I think is kind of fun not older but like middle-aged people like Mm -hmm. which there's just not that many big movies about middle-aged folks and pretty much everybody in the main cast is over the age of 40 Mm -hmm. and is looking back on their life and wishing things had gone a little differently it's it's about can miss it's about breaking bad you know it's it's about a regular person finding themselves in extraordinary circumstances and trying to figure out how to navigate a, a life that they don't they, they do deserve that they got to get out of a life they don't want and get into a life that they probably have always de- deserved a little bit uh, i just think it's great uh it uh, navigates so many things so interestingly uh it's got just a spectacular cast. I mean, truly lights out uh, all the way down with starring Pam Greer, just absolutely crushing it. But we also got Robert Forrester, uh, Sam Jackson, Bobby Tarantino, uh, not Bobby Tarantino, uh, Bobby De Niro. Um,
0: Chris Tucker. Chris
1: Tucker. That's true. And I'm trying to think <laughs> of um, Chris Tucker. Bridget Fonda. Bridget. F- oh, yeah. Right, right. One of her like few roles, which is kind of a very funny role from her. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I just like it. It's got it's it's his sense of humor, the most dialed in but again it's also like probably his most grounded movie by a
0: pretty wide margin and really pretty incredible photography by Guillermo Devaro as well it looks so good yeah, yeah
1: it's got like a, a his color palette wouldn't get that bright again until um uh once upon a time in hollywood i think mm-hmm. i think the sort of the the, the beach noir aspect of, of this movie like plays in really well with that photography. Yeah, uh, I think it's a spectacular film.
0: Very cool, very cool. All right, well, there you go. To summarize once again, uh, number 95 for all of us was Eyes Wide Shut for me for uh, Stanley Kubrick. Uh, Arthur's number 95. Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day by Harold Ramis. Thank you. I, it's, it's weird. You just said it, but my brain just falls it out. And then Jackie Brown, directed by Quentin Tarantino for Dalton. Moving on to number 94, another UK uh, submission for me. Uh, oh. Well, not UK. Well, UK BFI slash the the Republic of Ireland uh, mm. is John Michael McDonough's Calvary, starring mm. Brendan Gleeson. Uh, love that movie, and uh, it's an inc- an incredible little film. Um, I love stories about priests in general, and also ones about decisions not to take violence. Uh as you have just given us a Tarantino film, I think in many ways the McDonough brothers are making anti-Tarantino films. One hundred percent. And that being said, Tarantino is gonna be on my list and he's gonna come in a little higher. But that also being said, I like this movie a lot. We're talking about Calvary again in like ten
2: minutes. Okay.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. So Calvary's very good. Uh we'll move on then to uh number ninety four from you, Arthur. What's yours?
2: uh well long before uh marvel did this massive crossover event uh there was a much uh more enjoyable crossover event uh by the title of Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein <laughs> Okay, uh, a, right. a movie that is pivotal to my childhood and i think forming my sense of humor uh in this slapstick uh abbott and costello laden a film that combines uh, the most popular of the universal monsters uh, in Frankenstein, Dracula, and Wolfman. Uh, And so we get uh, a little bit of Boris Karloff, Bela Lugosi, and Lon Chaney in the same movie uh, Mm. with the great comedic pair that is... Uh, Abbott and Costello, uh, which a movie that really feels like it lays uh, the groundwork for the the Scooby Doo structure of a bunch of people running around a castle being chased by monsters. Absolutely, Um, yeah. And so uh, for that, it's just so pivotal to me, uh, my childhood. Uh, I think my comic sensibilities uh, that it had to make this list, uh, eking out above probably some more deserving quote unquote films. Uh, But I do love this movie, and so that is Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein at number ninety four. Dalton take it home uh
1: my first uk entry is uh also in 94 is my first uk mm-hmm, entry mm-hmm. and that is paddington 2 ah. a film made of hugs and cries i just like this movie a lot it feels good man i still haven't
0: seen it yeah <sighs> uh, look it's better to.
1: it's it, it's better than the first one it just is uh it, it takes all, all the things that work about paddington and finds a way to really thread the needle of like human metaphor uh, of really taking like the this idea of found family and, and drawing it out and, and really kind of underlining it and, and also asking questions about uh who who is considered a criminal uh, and who is not considered a criminal uh who goes to prison who doesn't go to prison um and and how can we find a way to redeem those who have you know maybe made mistakes uh it's great. I love it. Another Brendan Gleeson joint. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to love Brendan Gleeson and Paddington,
0: too, man. I love Brendan Gleeson, so yeah. I'm there.
1: I love that we both have Brendan Gleeson in 94. That's we'll kind of it. fun, yeah. yeah. That's
0: good. All right. it's Kismet right there. So to summarize again, 94 for me was Calvary. For Arthur was Abbott and Costello meet the Wolfman. Frankenstein. Frankenstein, sorry. And then finally, uh, Paddington 2 from Dalton. Moving on then to number 93. For me, it is uh, Maya Darin's, uh short film. This is my first, first short feature to make the list. Interesting. Um, We should have debated whether or not shorts were allowed, but... We can't stop them now. Uh, yeah, they're on mine. Uh, they're, they're there. And so, uh, number 40, uh, number 90, 1949's number 94 for me is Meditation on Violence this is my, 93 for you. 93, sorry. Where are yeah. we at? 93. Yeah. Meditations
1: uh, on Violence from 1949.
0: 1949. 20 numbers. Numbers are hard. <laughs> uh, ranked uh, globally on, no, I'm kidding, uh, on uh, flick Chart at in the 16,000s or so. Uh, <laughs> but it, it, it's a film that's part of my dissertation. Uh, okay. And it is uh, an incredible movie in which uh, Mayan Deren takes an ethnographic approach to uh, looking at martial arts. And so uh, uses an actor that we later see in uh, a film called Big Trouble in Little China. So uh, Chow Li Chi is the uncle grandfather, not, 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 not um, Aang, not Uncle Ang. Okay. But the other, there's a grandfather character yeah. in Big Trouble in Little China. It's him okay. uh, doing a, a Tai Chi form and a Shaolin Uh, kung fu form with uh, music in the background and interesting editing and cuts and thinking about the choreography of the human body but also not trying to americanize or in some way sort of sand off those ethnographic edges to it and uh, so it's, it's what might could have happened with martial arts uh in cinema had um Studio filmmaking marketing had not come into play. Uh, mm. it, it, so the chapter, it prov- or part of the chapter, it provides in my dissertation is sort of like this is a this is a what if episode gotcha. uh, from the Marvel universe of my dissertation of what what if we had done things more along this lines? a different trajectory, and different set of possibilities uh, for martial arts cinema. And so, meditation on violence by Maya Darren is ninety three.
2: Correct. Correct. Um, Arthur, what's 93 for you? Well, speaking of numbers, uh, mine is David Fincher's seven. <laughs> okay. Um, All right. 93 is seven for you from 1997. 97. 95. 95. <laughs> 95. Unfortunately, I know. seven. <laughs> 95. Number 93. <laughs> David Fincher. Uh, which uh, is probably the most stereotypical of my will house this uh, creepy, dingy uh, crime mystery thriller. Um, a lot of philosophical ideas. Uh, highly influential as it set the tone for every uh, murder thriller that followed for the next approximately 20 years, probably um, both stateside and internationally. I know memories of a murder is pretty heavily inspired by uh, seven as well. Um, what was the one we just recently did uh, uh, murder by numbers? No,
1: um, no. The, oh, uh, in the cut. Film. No, the um... cure cure. Thank you. Oh, I think yeah. Cure. Uh, that's great. From Japanese film. Uh, I think cure reminds me of seven a lot. Yeah. yeah. Well, oh, not yeah. to mention the Batman. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
2: Sure. Right. So it's a movie that's uh Reach has well surpassed. Uh I, I think it has cemented its legacy. Uh features some fun performances uh outside of the obnoxious What's in the Box, uh which is not a good uh performance at the end.
1: Not the greatest line read in the world. Uh, John Doe has the upper hand, great line read. Yeah. Uh
2: but uh anyway, uh it's dirty and gory and gross and hard to stomach but also wonderful yeah there it is uh so mine is seven at number 93 number 93 for you dalton
1: uh mine is also a what if it's what if uh suspiria was about post-war germany It is luca guadagnino's reimagining of suspiria suspiria Ah, from 2018 Mm -hmm. uh i like dance a lot i like dance movies uh i like it when they take dance and turn it into horror and boy, does this movie do that? Uh, it, it dance The dance world is frightening. Uh, and, and it, this movie finds a way to literalize that in a way that I really enjoy. but it also finds a way to ask questions about who is responsible for war crimes? Who is responsible for larger societal crimes? Who do we, how do we mete out the debt that is owed? Uh, lots of questions get asked in this movie And I just think it is a is a whirlwind It's two and a half hours Of just absolute phantasmagorical nonsense And I abs- I just love the shit out of it uh, I've only seen it the one time I really need to revisit it But I, there's just so much striking imagery from this film that I, I only watched it once as
0: well I love it And I love the original the original, I love the as well. original And yeah. the original's not on my 100 Uh, But I, I love it a lot I wondered if the original would make your it, own 100 I mean, I don't know that the algorithm Really pumped it up that much So it kind of fell out of my thought process Interesting. And if it fell out of my thought process as so it probably isn't top one. In but my when you're
2: looking at 2,000 movies it's easy to overlook Well, well
0: there, sure. there is that too so uh, to summarize uh, number 93 for all of us Meditation on Violence for me uh, 7 for Arthur and finally for Dalton what you just said, *Suspiria*, *Suspiria*, the remake. All three were meditations on violence, though. Interestingly enough, we are meditating on violence at number ninety-three. Moving on to number ninety-two for me, it's Alfonso Cuarón's *Gravity*. Uh, yeah! love Loving some Sandy Bullock, I that the whole uh, it's not single take. Did our, our real timeness of it? Oh my god, the the opening, yeah, the real time is just yeah it, the, of the movie, of truly. the movie entirely, yeah. yeah. Uh, even though again, not single take, but real time. Yeah. And it is a, an astounding meditation on well just grief yeah and uh, spirituality in a movie that should be sort of just a really kind of stock kind of standard survival film uh it's an incredible watch it's great experience in the theater but it's also an incredible experience still at home uh, i just watching.
1: recently watched it at home for the first the first time since i'd seen it in imax
0: and yeah, yeah it's, it's still held up at home it converts absolutely yeah. does
1: did our summer of sandy marathon have any uh, bearing on this i'm
0: sure it Put her more in my mind, yeah. but I just love yeah. that movie. It's a spectacular film. It's a movie that, uh, oftentimes if I'm just scrolling through and I don't have anything to watch, uh, it's a movie that more than once has, I've just seen it mm-hmm. in a list of movies on a streaming service and went, I'm watching that right now because it's just, it's infinitely watchable for me. So, Quran's a gravity for me at number 92, right? Yep. Yep. Now, number
2: 92 for you, Arthur. Uh, my number 92 uh features, uh, one, Mr. Humphrey Bogart, uh, and it is uh, Nicholas Ray's In a Lonely Place. Um, very good film uh, about a down-and-out screenwriter who may or may not have killed a man. Um, just uh, a powerhouse. I I, I I love Casablanca a lot, uh, but I think this is possibly Bogart's best performance. Um, and really just working that type, that troubled is he good? Is he out for his own good character that, that he establishes for himself uh, or kind of at that turning point in his career uh, before he does Casablanca. Um, I don't know how well this is, you know, as it's not as seen obviously as Casablanca it's got the criterion release, uh, but it is just a, uh, just a powerful uh, story of, of love and terseness and anger and passion and, mystery as we try to figure out could he have killed this person and what does that look like and so uh that's that's coming in here for me and that is nicholas ray's in a lonely place 1950
0: i like nicholas ray a lot i like johnny guitar a lot i like in a lonely place a lot i am i'm sad that neither one of those movies made my my top hundred but i'm glad that you've got that there because he's an incredible filmmaker and that's a really really great film uh what's your number 92 uh then dalton
1: well the protagonist of my number 92 definitely killed some people uh this is john mctiernan's die hard baby uh yeah does
0: bruce willis kill people john mcclain
1: kills some folks do people die in that movie some folks yeah it's got a little bit of a body count
0: i'm surprised
2: do they Uh, die hard they do in fact (laughs) uh i know i would
1: uh god damn it i love this movie uh it's It's just so so good good. (laughs) it just it's so good what, what, I, what should I say about Die Hard that hasn't been said already? One of the first movies we discussed on this program a million years ago, I think we all had some interesting things to say about it, even way back when we were still getting our, our sea legs. Uh, I just like this movie a lot. It's a great Christmas movie. Like, and I know it's a, oh, is it a Christmas It is a Christmas movie. It's a movie about family. It's a movie mm-hmm. about uh, making amends. It's a movie about trying to be better for the people yeah. close to you. Uh, it is also a movie about how you need to just learn how to kill again, unfortunately, for, for some folks in the movie. that That is some people's character arc. Uh, but I just, I do like this movie a lot. It, and the it, greatest Christmas card in all of cinema. Yeah. Ho, ho, ho. ho, ho. ho. Now I have a machine gun. The, the greatest Christmas card ever put to screen. Uh, who, who could uh, argue with that? I agree. Um, yeah, I just think it rules. Uh, is there anything else I want to say about it? I mean, it, it's oft imitated and never replicated, even within that series. They couldn't match it again. Nobody can do it. You just put an every man in a building. It's, again, it's another movie of mine about a regular person forced into extraordinary circumstances. And uh, I just think it, it sells regular person having to be in a life or death circumstance about uh, as well as a big studio film has ever done it. Uh, I, think, I think it's the, a high watermark for American action cinema. Uh, it is Die Hard.
0: Very cool, very cool. I love that movie, and uh, I, I don't have it in my top 100, but I, I'm glad we have at least a McTiernan uh, selection there. I think we'll
1: talk about McTiernan again.
0: Okay, so again, to go around the board, again, my number 92 was Gravity. Arthur's was? In a Lonely Place. And finally, Dalton's was? Die Hard. Die Hard, very good. Now, moving on to number 91. Um, this movie, I'm pretty sure, will come up again later. Um, it is George Lucas' 1977 small film, Star Wars. Nope. Nope. Okay. Um perhaps its sequel will come up later. Nope. Nope. Just kidding no well
1: uh, star wars uh as a franchise bore some consideration for me for for real had to mm -hmm. Uh, didn't make the list really
0: that's as fascinating to me uh for me i guess maybe it is a nostalgia button here this may be a toy story kind of uh, situation for me as well a little bit i did i grew up wanting to be a jedi it's one of those movies that was always in my mind uh i don't remember watching the other movies i remember the first movie that i watched was return of the jedi which is by far the worst of the three that's the one
1: i remember watching the most i watched Watched that movie a ton as a kid, and, yeah. but
0: I remember watching it first, and I remember That's watching so it, wondering when Luke was going to pull out his lightsaber against the uh, the Rancor so I already knew what was happening and I don't remember watching any of those other movies before it. That's so interesting. And so that that's... Uh, and, the uh, cultural cachet. I had this... Yeah, it was already in my DNA. And I so, know what you mean, man. Yeah. And then eventually once I got to all of the movies, uh, I'd love... It's incredibly well made. Uh, Akira Kurosawa in space. Yeah. Uh, what else do you uh, want? Yeah,
1: I'm watching Obi-Wan Kenobi on Disney Plus right now. Like, yeah, I wish I wish good. I wasn't. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. I can't stop myself from watching it, unfortunately. Yeah, because I, I just yeah. love Jedi. Yeah, It's they rule. They're Space Knight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're space monks. Yeah, it's it's cool. They're the Bene Gesserit, but with laser swords, man. What's not to like?
2: Yep. So that's 91 for me. What's 91 for you, Arthur? Uh, it is my first international pick. Uh, fairly, I think it's the most recent as of right this point. Uh, and it is Saline Siama's Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Oh, that movie's good. Uh, we'll talk just, about it again. It's coming uh, yeah, again. I figured it would be. Oh, we um, made all three lists. Okay. I figured it would. Uh, but uh, yeah, just a, a powerhouse uh, movie. Just Everything about that movie works mm. uh, from the look, the sound, the, the aesthetic, I'm the production design. I'm falling in love all over again just hearing you talk about those it. Those performances, uh, just some great cinematography, uh, just just a powerhouse. I mean, talk about a, a filmmaker in Southerland Siama who can kind of run the gamut of small, intimate comedy to these big, sweeping, epic romances, uh, modern period Science fiction, yeah, I mean, she makes the,
1: and she makes the intimate feel epic,
2: yes, yes. Uh, and, and so just top of her craft, I think, just yeah. one of the best. Uh, and so it is Portrait of a Lady on Fire at number 91.
0: We'll be seeing Celine again, uh, very, very soon. I'm, well, not very soon, but we'll see her again for sure. So, moving on, what is your 91 Dalton? John Michael McDonough's Cavalry. Ah, uh, yeah, right. Told you we'd be talking about it again. Here we so are. So good.
1: I'm with you, man. I like movies about the clergy, uh, I like movies that deal with larger societal crimes Uh, i like movies that deal with the nature of vengeance and violence Uh, it's an incredible film uh, that just feels true Uh, it it has got the aesthetic truth that uh, Werner herzog's talking about it's got that Uh, and it it, it speaks volumes i think Uh, if you haven't caught up with it you really should prioritize it it's calvary
0: very cool very cool so there you go to summarize once again number 91 for me was star wars for number 91 for arthur was Portrait of a Lady on Fire, and number ninety-one for Dalton was
1: John Michael McDonough's Cavalry. We've got ten more movies to cover. Arthur, how far into this episode are we?
2: We're at right over an hour, hour ten.
1: Okay, so we we can we can get them to that back ten.
2: Yeah,
0: we yeah. All right, let's do it. We're we're doing it fast. All
2: right. So number
0: ninety for me, it is a Mexican feature from one Louis Boonwell, who we will see again. Uh, it is the Exterminating Angel. We'll see it again. Uh, I almost uh, Veridana didn't make the list. It could have actually subbed here. I I don't know which one I like more today. Uh, but right now the the choice is the Exterminating Angel, uh, a dinner in which. People cannot leave. And it shows the decay of society with a surrealist bent. Um, I love Boon I love Exterminating Angel. I love what he's doing thematically. I love the way he's able to do a lot with very, very little, uh, considering he has to work in Mexico at this point in his life, a Spanish film director uh, working in Mexico. And uh, it's an incredible film. I love it a lot. Um, I will say no more, as we will be saying more later.
2: It appears. What's number ninety for you, Arthur? Uh, I think it'd be a very fun double feature with uh, my previous film, and that is uh, Karen Kasama's "Jennifer's Body."
1: Jennifer's Body with Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Yeah, yeah dude. I think that is a. Uh, oh my god! That's what an a good time at the movie. my double friends. Double feature. Yeah. Uh,
2: god, what a movie. Uh, I really dug this movie when I watched it and obviously you had those expectations at the time of Jen- of uh, Megan Fox mm-hmm. who was really in that kind of vein of uh, a Paris Hilton was very re- derided girl. yeah but was critically derided by you know cinema fans or movie you know whatever uh, and so she had very only much I think one level for a lot of people mm-hmm. I think Jennifer's body proved she was capable of a lot more um, even though I think her casting was very much to pull in that or was to buy into that image that she had developed or had that stigma that she had but it's like
1: brilliant casting for that it reason. is 100 mm-hmm. yeah it's kira kusama and her casting director yep. like made the best choice they could have possibly yep. made there's nobody else in 2009 or is that when the movie came out I Eight, think so. or 09, 09, there's the nobody else that could have played that played jennifer than megan fox I it's agree. just per and just like i think um uh, made a safe is brilliant casting
2: yep she's, she's fantastic in it as well. Uh, there's a lot going on there about gender and sex, uh, and those politics, but also, uh, the politics of small town tragedy. And we get the great tragedy boner, uh, phrase there. Uh, and so for me, Chigurh. it is just, <laughs> it's uh, a good one. uh, it, it just works. Uh, it, it is, you know, got a good cult standing, I think, and it has some diehard fans. And, uh, I think it, Doesn't quite get the respect it deserves, but it 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 is getting respect, and so uh, we respect it. Yeah, hundred percent. It is Jennifer's body.
1: Thank you, Diablo Cody, for tragedy boner.
2: Yes.
1: (laughs) All right. Number ninety for you. Number ninety is Ava DuVernay's Selma. Why Uh, are there not a bunch of Martin Luther King movies? Is a question many have asked. Uh, And Selma says they should look like this. And yeah, man, they should look like that. Mm -hmm. Holy shit, does that movie look good? And and does it find a way to humanize somebody that? doesn't feel like a real person like it, it doesn't make sense that somebody can be that person and, and it finds a way to be like no he's just he's dude you know he's a dude the fbi murdered him uh and he cheated on his wife and he was complicated and interesting and uh wanted to make a difference and i just think it's a spectacular film that makes real life feel like an action movie because unfortunately real life is an action movie for some folks sometimes mm-hmm. and uh, david odiello is just incredible as king dude that david why is david odiello not in everything after that movie like yeah, it's, he's incredible I, I where what's he been up to lately i don't know um we, it's it's a spectacular performance it's i mean well acted across the board like it's got a great lights out cast um and it's a movie i've been meaning to watch again for quite a while basically since i saw in theaters have uh, i've been meaning to catch up with it again
0: very cool, very cool. So number 90 for me was uh, The Exterminating Angel by Louis Bunwell. For Arthur, it was. Jennifer's Body. And for Dalton, it was. Ava
1: DuVernay's Selma.
0: There you go. Moving on to number 89. We've cracked the 80s and another franchise, I suppose. It is uh, Sophia Coppola's uncle, Francis Ford Coppola's The Godfather at number 89 for me I uh, love The Godfather love the cinematography from Gordon Wills who's able to do kind of this noirish Casablanca-esque kind of uh, shooting photography in color and so I love the tone of it I love Brando's performance Pacino's performance are incredible uh, we'll be th- you know talking more about gangsters I'm sure as we move through the list but it is uh, the urtext of gangster films totally. it is probably one of the most quotable films of all time and and uh okay i mean yeah i mean you know go into the mattresses uh take the gun leave the leave the gun take the cannoli there's just a number of things that there's some good ones that just find your way into the vernacular
2: it was on a short list for me yeah
0: i like i like the godfather a lot but i don't like it as much as i like other movies i learned a lot
1: about myself in figuring out where the godfather fit in my list it's top 200 it's like 157
0: yeah is where it landed so there you go for number 89 for me what's 89 for you
2: arthur uh it is uh the first and i think only appearance from one bobby zemeckis uh, and it is who framed roger rabbit yeah yeah i thought about
1: it after the fact it came so close to top 100 for uh
2: i i it was definitely my short list i don't remember if it had cracked the 100 but i I was recently listening to the next best picture uh podcast talk about it next picture show Yeah. yeah next picture show they were talking about it in conjunction with chip and dale uh rescue rangers um but when we talked about that movie years ago now um well, obviously, I think we'd all seen in youth, but the fact that it is, I think, some almost 40 years later, as visually impressive as it was the day it came out yeah. is a testament to a Zemeckis and his team. And this is something they talk about at large on the podcast, uh, but also just creating a classic cartoon character immediately in the birth of Roger Rabbit. Um, it's a movie that just stands out uh, Is just comically hilarious. It taps into that Looney Tunes zaniness so well that anarchic comedy is a just knockout lights out performance from Bob Hoskins as Eddie Valiant. Uh, and, and then Christopher Lloyd as the, uh, terse, uh, antagonist turned, uh, reveal sinister movie villain who kills just because he's somewhat of a sadist. Um, just beginning to end, uh, a just incredible tight movie, uh, and it is Who Framed Roger Rabbit.
1: It's my one fifty six. That's so weird that uh, you choose uh, eight, eighty nine is um, my one fifty six. My one fifty seven. I love it. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's great. It's great. Great. What is your number eighty nine? Joel and Ethan Cohen's No Country for Old Men. We'll uh, see this movie again.
1: I thought we might. Yeah, I, I thought that this would make multiple appearances. A, a film about greed. A film about life and death a f- film about the random arbitrary things that happen in life, uh, a cat and mouse thriller. It does so much. It's a Western set in the 1980s. Uh, it's about post-Vietnam, post-Watergate, but it's it's so much about America. Uh, it's and, and yet is also just about, again, the universe and, and sort of the, the ways in which... Uh, forces meet and oppose each other and bounce into each other and sometimes there's no solution and no clean answers uh it's an incredible film and uh, one that i like quite a bit and have loved it since i saw the year it came out Uh, it just has always stuck with me uh it's one of my very favorite coen brothers movies it's not the last time they'll appear on my list uh but it is definitely one of my favorites of theirs
0: very cool, very cool. So to, again, summarize, number 89 for the three of us. Uh, number 89 for me was The Godfather from Francis Ford Coppola. And it was what for Martha? Uh,
2: who Framed Roger Rabbit.
0: And for Dalton? No Country for Old Men. No Country for Old Men at 89 for Dalton. So we move into number 88. Uh, for me, it is a Bill Morrison film, um, which is a uh, filmmaker I actually met. I have a photograph with Bill. Cool. And uh, he is a, an abstract, uh, collageist filmmaker.s filmmaker. Um, the film I selected is Dawson City, Frozen in Time. Um, he's best known for his film decasia which I also like quite a bit. But uh, I like Dawson City because it's got a bit more of a narrative to it, in that it's about the discovery of this dump of films at the end of the distribution line, discovery buried under a swimming pool in Alaska and so buried under the permafrost they find all of these old movies and it becomes a story about just film distribution and uh, because Alaska was the end of the line it was the end of the line and all these super, super decayed movies uh, w- including Gold Rush uh, from Charlie Chaplin uh, one, which is a movie about going to the Yukon and finding gold and you know it's, it's, so it's got a lot of things going on for it. It's an incredible film. Decasion is doing a very, very similar kind of thing with the same, some of the same found footage uh, sort of organized, organized around a more abstract theme about just time and mortality and uh, death but I like this movie a lot. I also want to use this movie as an opportunity to talk about a movie that's not on the list that would have made the list if I could have found, it wasn't on the flick chart list, and it's a movie that is, it's an art installation, and it is uh, Phil Solomon's American Falls um, Did either of you go, to me, go with me when I went and saw that at the OKC Museum of Art with Phil Solomon? Um, anyway, he came to OSU and did a talk, showed a couple of his movies, and then did an exhibition of this multi-screen uh, demonstration of, again, movie film stock that he had uh, corroded in an acid bath and so a lot of it is uh, involving Safety Last from Harold, Harold Lloyd is a lot of it. And it's a similar kind of meditation. But these kinds of movies that are meta, but they're also about the very structure of celluloid filmmaking itself, mm-hmm. you sort of feel the the celluloidness of them. Um, but because of access and because of, again, I think there's a bit more of a narrative thread to uh, Dawson City Frozen in Time. That is going to be number, uh, again, 88 for 88... Eighty nine, eighty eight for me. Uh moving on. What's your number eighty eight there, um, Arthur? Uh
2: my number eighty eight is uh First Blood. Uh oh wow. Yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, okay yeah, yeah. One John Rambo. Uh the myth of John Rambo has grown uh into him being sort of this uh hardcore vigilante, I think. I think that's culturally when I thought about uh the image of John Rambo, it was this kind of angel of vengeance. Uh, but the John Rambo of first blood is very much, uh, quiet, very tragic. Um, he is, uh, a, a Vietnam vet who has come home, uh, only to find really no hope or friendship. And, uh, in his kind of last ditch attempt, uh, a lot of people try to bring him in uh, and it does not pan out well. Um, it is a movie about how the military uh, took a bunch of people uh, and turned them into killers and messed up their minds and messed up their mental health um, and how they had to come back home to cope with that and how it was not an easy transition for them. Uh, I think it is a interesting meditation on Vietnam and... and veterans um and i think it's just you know a, a tight little action movie uh and and a big cornerstone for sylvester stallone and i think it's important for that kind of in tandem with rocky uh so for me 88 is first blood
0: very cool very cool thank you for that um are there at number again uh I'm saying the number again because I want to remind myself at this point, 87. Is what we're doing? 87? 88. 88. Uh, you're 88 there, Dalton.
1: Oh, well, I have to make a... My list got messed up just now, and I'm Uh-oh. calling an audible and putting something back in. That got pulled out the last second. <laughs> I'm putting one of them back in. It is Joachim Trier's The Worst Person in the World from mm. 2021. Okay. Uh, a film that I just really like, man, and it, 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 it really speaks to film... Watchers of a certain age, especially there's a monologue at the end of this film that kind of talks about the curation of culture and how how it it was easy at a certain point in history to think collect. It's something we've talked about on the show a lot, right? The idea that of collecting movies or or media or art means something and in a world where it's all digital, like it becomes so ephemeral uh, that it's sort of hard to pin down like what culture even means, and it also asks questions about what does it mean to be a person at the and late stage capitalism uh, you know w- w- even if it's a movie about a fairly privileged person it still manages to find a ways to be about sort of this the ennui of uh, middle classness uh, of having options available to yourself and again it's it's set in norway where's oslo at sweden. sweden sweden yeah it's in sweden um uh and has you know finds a way to be like yeah apparently in sweden you can just managed to make a decent uh, enough living as a barista uh go figure but anyway uh some countries have their shit figured out uh it's a really good movie uh you know it got all this love at the end of the year and it was so well deserved uh it is just sort of a slice of life portrait of a person movie but it's it's really effective asks interesting questions about gender and relationships and power dynamics and and all that kind of cool stuff that uh, we, we love to see when we talk about What does a relationship look like? And I think films are a really great way we can see our own behaviors reflected back at us and kind of help us learn and grow. Uh, And I I think uh, The Worst Person in the World does a really great job of uh, showing us uh, the worst person in the world and reminding us that everybody's a person and everybody is uh, human and makes mistakes and contains multitudes. It's a great movie.
0: Well, it sounds like an interesting pair of Dawson City, honestly. Yeah. So, uh, very cool. I like that call very much. That's our 88s. Again, to summarize our 88s, mine is Bill Morrison's Dawson City, Frozen in Time. Arthur's is... First Blood. And finally, Dalton's Yoken is... Trier's the Worst Person in the World. Very good, very good. Moving on from 88 to number 87, because that's how counting works. Uh, mine is Peter Greenaway's A Zed and Two Knots. Uh, what br- the hell is that? It's a British film. It's a feature film. It's a reg- uh, The same guy that did The Cook is Thief is, is The Cook. The thief, his wife, her lover. Yeah, okay. I I know about that movie. Uh, Same guy that did that. That movie didn't make the list. It is a movie about decay. It is weirdly like this messy... Very, very prissy sort of uh, bit of set design uh, about, well, these two twin brothers who work at a zoo and uh, both of their wives are killed in a car accident when a swan accidentally crashes through a car. And uh, it is. uh, Sounds bananas. It's a zany comedy of errors about, again, just the nature of decay, the nature of life, and aesthetically really, really kind of interesting. So think screwball comedy meets high art film. And that's a Z and two knots, which spells the word zoo. zoo. So, uh, Zed and Two Knots uh, from Peter Greenaway is number,
2: again, 87 for me. What's number 87 for you, Arthur? Uh, it is the first appearance of the Coens on my list, and that is Inside Lewin Davis. Nice. Um, Didn't make my list, but a good movie. From 2013, 2014, looking at release dates, uh, starring Oscar Isaac and just a, a great performance. It is another in their kind of line of ecclesiastical Jewish. Uh, questioning films uh, as, as and Davis embarks on this secular Nate uh, life cycle, it hmm. appears um, it's backed with an incredible uh, folk soundtrack. Uh, just, Incredible music there. Uh, T-Bone Burnett obviously working again with the Coens uh, to put out something really solid. Uh, We get some early performances from Oscar Isaac at the feature level and one Adam Driver who gets to show up as well uh, before they both blow up uh, in in the general public the next year with Star Wars. Uh, So it's fun to see them on screen together there. uh, And just, man, uh, just a solid movie. So Um,
1: good. And Oscar Isaac is is just incredible in that film.
2: uh, Him and that cat just... What a movie! Yeah, uh, F. Murray Abram gets show up. Justin Timberlake's doing great work. Carrie Mulligan, a uh, blast. Uh, I I really dig uh, inside. Llewyn I Davis. love the
0: cast. I think most of everything in that movie. Yeah. So it's yeah,
2: solid, rock solid. Very cool. Very cool. Okay, eighty
0: seven for you, Dalton. Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Ah. A movie about
1: dads. A movie about past atrocity. A movie about alcoholism. A movie about. I mean, shit. What's that movie not about? Mm-hmm. Uh, is a good question. Uh, yeah. A movie that I, asks the question. Does a movie set being a literally just the biggest OSHA hazard in the world, does that <laughs> negate it from being in consideration for this sort of list? I very strongly considered not putting The Shining on my list because I think the way that Stanley Kubrick treated Shelley Duvall is a fucking war crime. Yes. That is how you torture people, literally torture somebody so with psychological damage, uh, emotional damage, as TikTok would say, mm. uh, not a cool guy.
0: Bad Dude, good movie. Good movie, and we'll probably talk about and, it again. And we really spectacular performance.
1: I think Shelley Duvall could have given that great performance without being psychologically tortured. I agree. It's a good movie, and she gives a great performance. And and so does uh, Nicholson, who also shares some of the responsibility for that film set's Not great vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, a movie I struggled with putting on this list, but I, again, it is, it's imagery- is soaked into me. And it's it's place in I mean that was a movie that I I thought about big wheels and fountains of blood for years before I saw The Shining. That's how big that movie is. Uh and again, I think it is not responsible for but I think a lot of our sort of quote unquote elevated horror movies <laughs> owe a debt to The Shining as far as not every horror movie needs to be about trauma and it is sort of kind of a frustrating trend but it's a useful playground for unpacking trauma in Mm -hmm. cinema because sometimes making things nightmarish and horrific actually makes them a little bit easier to deal with when they're a little less real. Uh,
0: Absolutely. The Shining. So that's uh, to summarize again. Number eighty-seven for the two o- or the three of us. Uh, Zed and two knots for me. What was it from Arthur? Inside Lou and Davis. And finally from Dalton. The Shining. The Shining. Moving on. Then to number eighty-six for me. It is David Cronenberg's Videodrome. Okay, uh, a movie
1: I I really want to like more than I do. For yeah. whatever reason, it holds me at arm's distance more than most Cronenberg.
0: Well, I think it is an intentionally kind of distant kind of film, mm. and uh, because it is about media and media being that which separates us from a distance and the way in which it corrupts, changes, and transforms us. Uh, Debbie Harry's got a great performance in there. Uh, There's another actor that's in, and he's fine. And then, uh, because we're not going to name him. (laughs) No, we're going to talk about him. And, yeah, it's, it, again, that sort of goopy-gloopy thing that he does. Uh, the Fly was, at one point, in my top 100, right next to Videodrome. It was like a double bill uh, nice. and right next to it. And I thought about it more, and I ended up dropping The Fly off. But I kept Videodrome because I think uh, the Marshall McLuhan element is uh, a lot of what makes this film really significant. And it won't be the last time we see Cronenberg uh, from me, and I'm sure it won't be the last time we see it from uh, the rest of our friends and neighbors. So we'll move right on to number 86 from Arthur
2: uh my number eighty six is uh one Guillermo de toro's Pans labyrinth uh, yeah. you know, Labyrinthino de fauna uh just a, a magical fairy tale uh that is the first g d t to make the yeah.
1: appearance right yeah yeah uh
2: that encapsulates all I think the g d t does this fascination with fairy tales and outsiders uh and fantastical horror imagery uh the man uh loves him some grotesque horror uh we get the pale man here uh we get the fawn himself uh just beautiful uh filmmaking uh with the great kind of historical uh elements and components to it and this beautiful allegory uh that takes place at the same time as the Spanish war the Spanish civil war, war. Mm-hmm. um and just some brutal violence. Uh, when a man gets his face beaten in with a wine bottle, that does think not about break. That, think about that shit all the time, dude. <laughs> yes. That is
1: seared into my mind. Yes. When I think
2: about movie violence, that is one of the first things that comes to my mind, uh, because of how grotesque and gruesome it is to let somebody's face just be smashed to a pulp, uh, with a bottle that does not break, because that is realistic. There's more um, face
1: smashing
0: to come in the top oh eighty. Oh,
2: Man, here we go. So top, uh, you know what I mean. That's my number eighty-six. That is Pan's Labyrinth. Dalton, what do you have at eighty-six?
0: I just want to throw in that somehow Pan's Labyrinth fell off my hundred. and I don't know how oh, because wow. I love that wow. movie a lot. We'll, we'll talk about it again. It, 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 I don't know how, but I love that movie. I, I
1: noticed you and I were both consulting our lists was, to see where it was, like, it was Wait at. A minute, I
0: hadn't thought about that movie because I did think about it while I was working on my list, and somehow at some point the algorithm pulled it off. So Lots there you of go.
1: Guillermo del Toro almost made this list. Mm-hmm. I,
0: I had to like be
1: judicious about how much GDT I was going to let be in the top 100, to be honest. Uh, my number 86 is Stephen Freer's High Fidelity, uh, mm-hmm. another film about the consumption of culture, mm-hmm. uh, a movie that is near and dear to my heart, a movie about making top five lists, a movie about how do you categorize your feelings through other people's art uh mm-hmm. it's a thing that we play around with every week on the show honestly uh, it's a movie that means a lot to me a movie that found me when i was right at the perfect age for it as a teenager and uh, again it, this this portrait of rob uh this uh disaffected record store owner who can't uh, stop self-sabotaging and thinks every relationship that he definitely sabotages is not his fault somehow uh a really just interesting portrait of a person uh, it, uh shares a lot of similarities with the worst person in the world uh so i I think it makes sense that they ended up close to each other on my list. Uh, but a movie that we've discussed on this show before, so you can go check that out. Uh, That is High Fidelity. So, Dustin, where are we at? 86.
0: summarizing number 86. For me, it was Videodrome from David Cronenberg. For Arthur, it was. Pan's Labyrinth. And for Dalton, it was. High
1: Fidelity from Stephen Frears. Very good, very good. We're We're in our last
0: five for this episode. All right, number 85 for me is Tom Tickver's Run, Lola, Run.
1: Okay, a big blind spot for me, but I like Tickver's work with the Wachowskis.
0: Yeah, and and, and, and this is that video game movie, What If You Have Three Extra Lives?, Lola's got three extra lives and so it is filmed in a way like you know I don't know there's there's a way in which it's got a lot more energy and a lot more movement than say Elephant from Gus Van Zandt mm-hmm. but it's still got that same sort of video game perspective mm-hmm. as the character is moving through space and um, Lola has three chances to figure things out it is, it's got an animated sequence in it it's also got a moment of rest there in the minute like you went up and got a break and got pizza and Pepsi like you do uh, as you come back to uh, play the video game a little bit more uh, just an incredible high energy film a lot of fun and uh, an innovative way of thinking about it like space invaders what if it was a movie and we make it this little sort of murder story of a young girl who wants to save her boyfriend um which reverses some gender roles in some interesting ways as well so run lola run from 1998 is number 85 for me what's number 85 for you uh, number
2: 85 for me is a movie uh that uh is in in the kind of probably top five movies I wish I could have seen in theaters. Mm. Um, It is a movie that was spoiled for me very early on uh, by The Simpsons, uh, and it is 1968's Planet of the Apes. uh, Sci-fi classic. Um, What a movie. Uh, Before it became this kind of campy B-movie franchise, uh, Charlton Heston just broke in there with those darn dirty apes. um, And really they put together a movie uh that just works uh even knowing that ending still very effective still very impactful uh you, you know i think about often man what if i seeing this in theaters with an unsuspecting crowd would have been
1: incredible. just an
2: experience incredible uh just did great numbers uh five million budget brought back 33 million that's in 1968 that's impressive. And we're really kind of at the also. A, a, end of an era moment because we're kind of transitioning out of i think classic hollywood into the new hollywood and it is kind of that transference period so i think it marks that as well um but just such a a fantastic movie with some great imagery uh some great uh monkey prosthesis on our actors uh f- some fun looks there uh and so it is uh planet of the apes it'll come up again very
0: cool very cool i love that movie a lot what is your number uh 85
1: my number 85 was not my favorite movie of 2020 but it was the movie of 2020 for me it is amy Simons's uh she dies tomorrow oh. uh, a film that i just think is incredible uh a film that was ahead of the curve on 2020 on accident it came you know was produced before that year and yet like spoke to what it was like to be living through the pandemic uh that we're all still living through uh, a film that like finds a way to take anxiety and externalize it. uh, And and what if anxiety was the monster from it follows uh, is is sort of the interesting question going on. And she dies tomorrow uh, Mm. for me. Uh, What if you became so certain of this fact that you could not be shaken from it? And what if you started to convince other people of this information that they too would be dying tomorrow? um it's, it's just it's just a great movie and again i think is dreamy and hypnotic and scary uh and powerful and again I, I think like really articulates some feelings that i've I've had to deal with in my own life that are, are hard to figure out how to articulate and I, I think it's a movie that i if i had to ask somebody like what's it like to be me sometimes i would show them this movie and go it's like that sometimes unfortunately mm. uh it's a movie that i th- strongly recommend people uh, take time to catch up with.
0: Very cool, very cool. So in summary, 85 for me was Run, Run, Lola, Run. For Arthur, it was. Planet of the Apes. And for Dalton, it was. She Dies Tomorrow. Moving on to number 84. For me, number 84 is a second animated film from me. It is directed by Katushiro Otoma. It is 1988's Akira. An incredible disaster of a... Came close. Came really uh, really close. Incredible bit of uh, anime filmmaking. It's like the anime film that I discovered anime with. And so... uh, Yeah, I think
1: that's true for a lot of people of your age specifically just because of how... How much success it had crossing the uh, the Pacific?
0: Yeah, and so I, I don't know what else. I'm not going to describe the plot of Akira. How could you? Why would I do that? uh But it is doing all those cyberpunk things, and also uh weirdly David Cronenberg body horror things that I very very much enjoy. And an animated film that is uh, not limited by space, time, gravity, or the laws of mm-hmm. physics, and therefore it is interesting and weirdly elliptical in the way it's narrative uh, approaches and so there's a lot that's left unexplained and that actually adds to the enjoyment rather than sort of frustrating unexplainedness mm-hmm. it is that interesting unexplainedness that works uh, very much for 1988's akira for me this comes in again at number 84 what's 84 for you arthur uh
2: this uh 84 is coming uh going back to something you said in our opening was uh, it's I think based on when I saw it, and also how much I think about it, because I think about this movie a lot. And it is Joe Johnston's The Rocketeer. Yeah, mm-hmm. I,
1: I love that movie, and I, I love your love for that yeah, movie. Yeah, I
2: mean, it, it is the proto MCU film, uh, especially Captain America and everything that comes after that. I think, and Joe Johnston really just echoes what he does in in The Rocketeer on First Avenger, um, but it is just fun swashbuckling adventure. Uh, very low key sci fi with this rocket strapped to this guy with a goofy looking helmet, but it's also really cool with his leather jacket it's and sweet art and deco bullshit. Fin. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, just a great aesthetic. Jennifer Conley, uh, f- yeah, for a young child. <laughs> uh, it's a big moment, yeah, it does things. Uh, Timothy Dalton just hammed it up as this speaking of things, Nazi yeah, Nazi villain. Um, Wicked man. Errol Flynn yeah, yeah, Wicked Errol Flynn that's I great. mean,
1: so Errol Flynn <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh,
2: just these great James Bondy villains And this guy that's not quite Jaws But he's kind of Jaws But he's also kind of mumbles from Dick Tracy uh, Just in a slate of kind of pulp-inspired uh, movies In the early 90s uh, This one just takes the cake for me I love it a lot It's fantastic score uh there as well uh, and that is the rocketeer at 84 dalton what do you got it is guillermo del toro's
1: nightmare alley from I 2021 that wow. movie it's I, so good dude, it's so good right like yeah. that is a movie that uh, i saw on the day after christmas of 2021 mm. and uh it was just me and becca in the theater so when uh, it in credits hit i'm I'm literally hooting. I, I'm giving it the dog pound from from Arsenio Hall, man. <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm yelling at the that screen. That is a <laughs> reference. <laughs> I love it's the so end. I love the end of Nightmare Alley, dude. It is, Guillermo del Toro is such a humanistic filmmaker. Uh, it really cares about people, it really cares about presenting redemption as, as a Key narrative theme for him. And this movie's got none of that, baby. It is down in the fucking muck. It, this movie is mean-spirited. This movie says, nope, some people are just born bad. And it, it's so good. It's it's half hangout movie, half con movie, all good time. And it takes all the things that Guillermo del Toro is good at and, and manages to weave them. Uh, you know, uh, outsiders trying to make their way. Uh, grifters uh, making their way far... Th- higher in society than they have any right to be, uh, people, uh, it, again, it's, it's a classic film noir, uh, told with modern sensibilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it, it is such a love of letter to noir as a film genre. Uh, it's, it's, it's getting filled with stock characters in a lot of ways, but I think they're all used very effectively. And I think every performance is just Absolutely dialed in.
0: Well, the production design for that carnival stuff alone—it looks so good. Yes, incredible. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah.
1: yeah, that's what part of why I know the movie's a little long for some folks, uh, and it's a little long for my taste, honestly. But I, I'm just so on board with hanging out at the carnival that it doesn't really matter yeah. that it spends a little, maybe a little too much time there. Because as Dustin said, it just looks incredible, and again, everybody is just giving an incredible performance. It's maybe my favorite. You know, no, it is my favorite Bradley Cooper performance by a pretty wide margin. I think. Uh, I think he's just really stand out in that movie uh and it's again i think he's got a weird energy that makes him read weird on screen for me and i think the last couple of years he's like played a lot of weirdos between licorice Mm -hmm. pizza and nightmare alley i think 2021 was a fun year for him getting to be a little a little creepier because there is something about him that I just maybe it's that theater kid energy that I can't stand in other people because I know I have it. But and there's something about him that I, I find off putting And him as a, a very nefarious protagonist is so much fun in Nightmare Alley. You're just an Okie with straight teeth. Oh, such a good line. Incredible line. Dustin. Uh, well, oh, I guess let's recap let's 84. summarize
0: 84. So number 84 for me was Akira. And for Arthur, it was... The Rocketeer. And finally, for Dalton, it was... Nightmare Alley 2021. Very, very good, very good. Moving on from 84 to 83, for me, it's Gaspar Noé's Enter the Void. We'll talk about Gaspar Noé again. And uh, Enter the Void's great. Uh, and Noé is great. And interesting, uh, Enfant Terrible uses uh, this Provocateur. Back, yeah, Provocateur. And Enter the Void is the only entry from uh, Noé that I have on my list... But um, it is this, again, m- floating camera stream of consciousness of the basically the soul of a person after his death watching what's going on, the lives of people he cares about until his own rebirth as kind of his own uncle. Uh, this is strange. But anyway, um, incredible, incredible bit of filmmaking and probably the best single title sequences in all of cinema. Uh, incredible bombastic
1: Title sequence it's been on my list to catch up with for a minute i've it, seen the opening titles and yeah somehow didn't watch the whole movie
0: it, yeah, man it is it is a thing it is absolutely incredible i love enter the void for me at 83 what's 83
2: for you arthur uh, 83 for me uh i think is one of the strongest examples of satire operating at the highest level um as well as sci-fi acting as uh cultural commentary. And it is Paul Verhoeven's RoboCop.
1: Yeah. Basically um, good
2: movie. Just uh, again, uh, I, I have a thing for iconic uh, characters uh, and, and none more so than uh, Peter Weller in that suit. Uh, just fantastic. I think character design uh, almost a creature design, but kind of, kind of Sh- not sure. I mean, he is something of a Frankenstein's monster mm-hmm. uh, within that film, uh, a very tragic character as well. Um but just some memorable lines uh, in that movie. Uh, just uh, some fun images. The the, the RoboCop vision uh, thing that we get on the camera is a lot of fun as well. And just gruesome and violent. Uh, and Ed 209 and the juiciest yeah. squibs
1: that
0: have ever been in a movie yeah. we'll talk about robocop again. yeah
2: that's just a blast well, that's uh, a
0: verhoeven thing i think any verhoeven movie could have made my top 100 I, there's I, two verhoeven movies in my th- top there's 100. none in mine but i'm, I'm surprised a, a, any one of them could I, have made it l was there for a long time yeah. Yeah. robocop was there for a long time total recall was there yeah. for a long time missing instinct was never there but i like it a lot too. i don't know
2: if he'll come up again for me but yeah i mean robocop is is just a, a defining movie Again, one one of those odd movies that got marketed to kids with toys <laughs> and video games. Like too much
1: cocaine in the <laughs> 80s, man. <laughs>
2: uh, no kids should probably have seen this movie, but maybe they should have because I turned out, I think, okay. I think you're uh, right. But uh, uh, RoboCop, for me, just has a... always these I think are going to have a seat at the table. Uh, so 83 is RoboCop.
1: Very cool. What's your number 83, Dalton? Well, speaking of iconic characters, there's a hero in all of us, isn't there, Peter? It is Sam Raimi Spider-Man 2, the yeah. high watermark of superhero cinema. It doesn't get any better than this. Uh, this edged out Blade 2, this edged out uh, Hellboy. Uh, so, uh, GDT's got two of the best superheroes, as far as I'm concerned, and uh, this one edged out both of those. Um, it had to make the list. This movie is baked into me, man. Mm-hmm. I, I was there on opening day for this one, uh, and I just think it's incredible. Again, it we have been chasing the dragon that is spider-man 2 for the last 15 years or whatever, however long it's been longer than that. Uh, but it's, it's better part of two decades. We've been trying to reach those highs again. And I just don't think anybody's done it better than Sam. Uh, whether it's Alfred Molina's like deeply nuanced performance with puppet, with a bunch of puppets, he's mostly acting against puppets in that movie. Uh, it's Toby McGuire's kind of, sensitive, withdrawn Peter Parker, who is, yeah, not as quippy as maybe we want Peter Parker to be, but is as human and grounded as we need Peter Parker to be. And, and in a way that I just don't think the, the other Spider-Man movies can have really nailed. Um, not, not the way this does. Uh, he, he can never be happy. He simply cannot be. And, 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 I've been uh, enjoying the retrospective on Sam Raimi's career, uh, during the blank check series mm-hmm. we're doing on him right now. And Sam Raimi will come up again on this list for me. Cause he's, he's, he's a foundational filmmaker as far as Dalton Stewart's taste goes. Uh, he's, he's just huge for me. I, I love him a lot. And I think Spider-Man two really does do that superhero thing. So well, it, it is a story about finding, uh, that that extra zhuzh that you need to get through the day sometimes it is it's a movie about uh, sacrifice uh, it's a movie about family and friends and uh, i just think it has maybe some of the best action photography ever uh, it just lo- the the train sequence in this movie is just mm-hmm. incredible man yep. and you got jk simmons hamming it up having an excellent time what's not to like
0: it is sam raimi spider-man 2 Very cool, very cool. To summarize again, number 83 for me was Enter the Void. For you, it was what, Arthur? RoboCop. And for Dalton, it was? Spider-Man 2. Very good. Moving on to number 82. For number 82, we go to the year 1966, and the country of Sweden, and Ingmar Bergman's Persona. Oh, yeah. Uh, An incredible little film. Huge blind spot for me. Uh, B.B. Anderson and Liv Ullman give incredible performances where these two women are the same person? Or they're obsessed with each other, or they're vampiring off of each other, or maybe one is the child of the other, or we don't really even know what's going on. The the level of the obsession is so psychologically locked into the film that we never sort of find our way through it, and therefore... the incredible choice that Bergman makes at the end is to make the film blister, break apart and explode at the end of the movie gangster. And it is, I, I, I it is an exp- It's an astonishing film. It's absolutely an astonishing film. It's a bit slow. Um, as you're, before you get to that explosive moment. But, uh, that being said, uh, it's the only Omar Bergman for me, uh, that's making the list. I love the seventh seal a lot, but I find it to be kind of dry and droll. And I find, uh, that the leash is off on, or, uh, Bergman's, um, artistic style in a way in persona that's not present there in the seventh seal and so uh for me that's the one that makes the list and it comes in for me again
2: at number 82 what's 82 for you arthur well boys if it bleeds we can kill it so let's get to the chopper it is predator again
1: we'll get to we'll get to predator again
2: yeah i figured i love that yeah, movie it's uh, incredible it's a good time uh just uh, iconic characters again uh the, the creature design of the predator uh, is just so iconic. impressive and iconic um Arnold Schwarzenegger just delivering a, a, a blast of an action performance. Stick around. Yeah, just memorable lines, endlessly quotable. Just a tight, mo- it, you know, action movies that were knew what they were and kept it tight, kept it right, and I appreciated that about it. Just a fun uh, ensemble following along that has a lot of, I, I think, stuff you can really dig into as far as masculinity, uh, sexuality, uh, gender, uh, Going in, you know, special ops, uh, getting into South America type stuff, Uh, just just layers of of things you can kind of look at and talk about. Tough guys getting murked by
1: monsters is always a cool idea for a movie. (laughs) There's Uh, a reason half of uh, Love, Death and Robots on Netflix is Commando's getting murdered.
2: Yeah, Uh, so it's it's just iconic. Uh, I, I like it quite a bit. Uh, and one I really kind of wasn't based on nostalgia. It's one I really came to appreciate later in life mm-hmm. and really do uh, admire. Uh, so it's Predator for me at eighty-two. Dalton, what do you got? At eighty-two, I have another twenty-twenty-one film. It is David
1: Lowery's The Green Knight. Uh, <sighs> speaking of movies that are a little bit slow but truly astonishing bits yes. of filmmaking, yes, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about that movie again. Hell yeah, man, hell yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we don't need to talk about it anymore right now. I just it's so good. It, it takes uh, Arthurian myth and kind of updates it and modernizes it. And asks interesting questions about heroism and destiny uh, and is just a vibey, trippy, good time. Uh, so, 82, we have Persona from Dustin. We have Predator from Arthur. And we have David Lowry's The Green Knight from me. We're at 81. This is the last uh, movie for the episode for each of us. Home. Let's do it. Dustin. In 1986,
0: 1986, uh, American-made directors, but made in the UK film, uh, a short film again for me. It is the Quay Brothers Street of Crocodiles. Uh, this movie is probably their most well known work. Uh, they have been popularized recently. There's a Christopher Nolan movie, a little mini documentary called Quay about the brothers. Uh, but it is a weirdly surrealistic, gothic uh, piece of filmmaking uh, based loosely on a Bruno Schultz novel or a collection of short stories of the same name. Uh, great puppets. And cr- they, they, they create these little dioramas and uh, using stop motion animation, they animate these little puppets uh, working through strangely desirous and sexual, strangely sort of, well, sensual maybe more than sexual is probably the word I would use for this. Um, And Uh, questions of just desire and longing and of decay uh really really incredible filmmakers and incredible uh influential little short film street of crocodiles comes in at 81 for me from the brothers quay what's 81 for you arthur
2: uh my 81 is also from 1986 uh made in america about americans uh it's one of the most harrowing films i've ever seen and it is platoon Mm. Uh, right on yeah man not only as a war movie, but also as a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, just hard to watch uh, a, a very no. uh, Oliver Stone's uh, love letter to Vietnam. Um, I mean, it's and all of its ugly, painful, traumatic yeah. experiences that went along with that.
1: I mean, I think that's why it is for me. It's the Vietnam war movie yeah. because somebody who lived through it made a movie about it. Yeah. I mean, he's got three movies about Vietnam and I, this is sort of the most successful one of the yeah. bunch. Uh it, it took, serious consideration for me i like this yeah. movie a lot. Uh,
2: i'm not a war movie guy i've got a couple on my list this is the first one uh just uh i mean it's one of those i think i've only seen the one time but i think about it a lot yeah and uh, just how harrowing it is and so i i respect it quite a bit uh and that's platoon i think about charlie
1: sheen getting uh getting a weed smoked out of a shotgun uh a yeah. lot that's that's a that's a <laughs> hell of an <laughs> image crazy yeah. image. is yeah. um uh, yeah. Uh, Willem Dafoe literally shotgunning him. Yeah. Uh, my number 81 is David Robert Mitchell's neo-noir follow-up to It Follows. It is Under the Silver wow. Lake. Yeah, right? Okay. I know. When I put Under the Silver Lake on the list, I was like, I've made a choice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Choices
1: were made. A very divisive film. If you wow. know, you know. Uh, it follows Andrew Garfield's shit-smelling detective, uh, and by detective I mean unemployed idiot, uh, who follows down falls down this rabbit hole of the L.A. industry, the industry that is Los Angeles. Uh, it is so many industries, that city, and it, it, it has such an interesting conclusion to the mystery. It, it builds up and builds up and builds up, and it all seems like it means nothing and it confirms that it all means nothing. Uh, what if all of pop culture was an invention to sedate you? What if there was no truly revolutionary work of art? What if it was all commodification? A haunting movie for me, in many ways, mm-hmm. as somebody who thinks a lot about culture. Uh, I think this movie rules. Uh, it's one I've been meaning to rewatch basically since the second I finished it, uh, however long ago it was that I watched it. I have uh, yet to
0: catch that one.
1: Uh, yeah, it's it's a weird one, man. Uh, again, I get why it was divisive. It's definitely a... It really feels like somebody going, well, if I never get to make another movie after It Follows being a success, I better make something bold. And it is anything, if it's anything, it's a bold movie.
2: Uh, Arthur, have you seen this one? I didn't. I, I feel like that's one that, a- A24, was that A24?
1: I, yes, and it's one that they were weird about the release. I was going to say, they onto it. Forever. there
2: are a number of movies where, I don't know if they just don't have a confidence, because Slice is another one that they did where they just kind mm. of fumbled the release uh, and kind of buried it into streaming. Uh, and Under the Silver Lake, I feel like, was in that. obviously, like you said, divisive, but also A24 didn't get behind it either. I mean, it is like a two and a half hour suburban noir kind of a thing, but yeah, I, I, mean, I did not get to it It's literally about yet. the LA
1: suburbs yeah. and finding
2: yourself in a noir movie. Yeah, but,
1: it's, it's a weird release, and I think it's, you know, I think critics kind of not universally adoring it was a huge part of why A24 kind yeah. of weirded up the distribution on that one. Yeah.
2: Well, there you go. Uh, so, so far we've got uh, 59 unique films. Wow.
1: Right there. In the wow. top, in the top, our top 100s but, through 80s. I keep yeah, wanting to yeah. say the top well, 20, 59 but 59 unique 20. out of 60. Yeah. Wait, yeah,
2: so we went through sixty. There are fifty nine unique. Some will okay. show up again later.
0: Okay, yeah. right on, right but on. This list is so far, suffice. we've only had one repeat, and that's cavalry on both of our lists. Both of ours. I got yep. you now. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, so that's that's the top uh, again. Twenty for us. The bottom twenty. The I bottom guess. twenty. I guess. Yeah. The first twenty. Yes. Uh, there you go. Of our top one hundred, uh, we'll be back with more of this next week. You keep watching. We'll keep talking. We'll see you all next time.